Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Southern Rock Podcast, a southern storm of bold, liberating rock, shot through with blues, soul, and gospel. And now, your hosts for the show, Brian Jones and Jason Johannes. Welcome to another episode of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast on Pantheon Podcasts, where you can go to find your most preferred uh, music genre podcast. So head over there and find uh, what you like, what you need, and hopefully that's us as well. So Jason's here too. What's up? Greetings, Brian. Greetings, everyone. Hey, just real fast on that Pantheon Pods, Decibel Geek Podcast. They're doing a review of the Janie Lane Warrant era of Janie Lane era of Warrant. I really want to check out. Sounds interesting. I think he's a very underrated um, songwriter. So Pantheon Podcast, we're on it. Our friends are on them. Check them out. And we always remember, you know, the metal fans, even on this Southern Rock. We're the metal. Well, podcast. like, you know, we grew up as metal fans, right? And yep. every once in a while, we talk to our favorite metal artists. So we're going to start this episode. We're going to start this episode out with a great big virtual state of America chat group hug. <laughs> <laughs> Shakedown Street does not suck, man. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Only only people understand the inside joke. Yeah. It's all love. Well, you know, David and Ian cultivated a great group, uh, Black Rose-oriented <laughs> fans, but music fans there at the State of America, our buddies in our, our Facebook chat group. And we had a, you know, there's some conversations going on today. We, we fight a little bit, but not seriously. <laughs> they fight a little bit. I Sometimes I take offense to stuff. Then everybody, we cry and say, I'm sorry, I love you. <laughs> hey. Sometimes you got to call people out if there's, you know, if they're being a little rude, Brian. We'll be Zoom. Yeah, we'll be Zoom. We can see facial expressions and hand gestures. Dude, I'm not serious. Anyway, 
Okay, we got a bunch of stuff to talk about. And uh, so, you know, was that, did the new Crows single cross your fingers come out at midnight last night or did it come out yesterday or today? I have no idea. I, I didn't hear about it until today, this morning. Right before midnight Eastern or if it came out after midnight. All I know is I woke up this morning and, you know, text group and chat groups, there were on fire. They were on fire and people were already here having their opinion. So, Brian, have you heard the new single? Yeah, I, I, I like it. It's different. I mean, it sounds unique. It doesn't really sound, you know, specifically recycled of anything. I mean, you know, any band's going to have a little bit of stuff that reminds me of a former song, whatever, but, but I, I dig it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's decent. It's good. Like it's definitely different. I think it's catchy. I like the drums on this one better than, Mm -hmm. um, Wanting and waiting, but mm-hmm. I like wanting and waiting better as a song. Um, it does end abruptly. That is that is the one thing yeah. that is really weird. And you hope that they play this live. That'll be a great opportunity to do an extended jam into another song. It is very much abrupting, but I like it. I don't. I, somebody, somebody in our one of our groups called it "I Ain't Hiding 2.0. I don't know about I don't, that. I don't. I mean, it's not that. It's not that. It's not no. that big of a one eighty. Yeah, I mean, I, there was like I don't know, that's just like a little part of it that was kind of reminded me of of Ozone Mama. But someone before that said it kind of sounds like Lion, so I think that may have gotten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you know, so. Like, I don't like I ain't hiding, and I like this song. It's not yeah. the best song I've heard out of a couple I've heard from them. Right, but I don't have any issues with it. I think no. the one thing that'll be interesting for the album, though, and somebody even made a comment about it: the solos. I think Rich was primarily the lead player on this i don't know if isaiah mitchell or anybody else played on it so i think the the solos will be shorter and limited i noticed that too is like there's two solos on the song and we still don't know for sure if only rich played on it right we don't know that anybody else did but we don't know that anybody else didn't i like the second solo on the song better it gets going and the song stops (laughs) i'm like i actually want to hear more of that and I haven't listened to it enough to see if I can notice any tonal changes or, you know. I, I didn't pick up on any, but I it, like the song. Is it the best one or best five off that record? Probably not, but I don't dislike it at all. It's definitely different, and it just it ends abruptly. Yeah, and it doesn't really, because even like with the first single, we thought it's kind of, it kind of sounds like a By Your Side era song, but it doesn't sound like any, I don't hear any recycled riffs or anything or, you know. So right. that's good. Uh, yes, for sure. So, yeah. I, so keep on, man. The re- new record comes out next month in March. Look, March 15th, I believe. So I'm looking forward to it. Then I saw on the Georgia Thunderbolts Facebook group or their page that the band Framing the Red out of Mississippi has a new record called Three to Get Ready. I just started, just so barely started listening to it here. Um, so I don't really have a... Uh, report per se but i'll uh, definitely be trying to get a hold of these guys hey man their stuff is good and i didn't know about this record until you you just told me yeah i just found out like i'll be checking it out they're a good band um parker barrow has the new and i haven't seen it Uh, as soon as we get done with this cutting this intro i will look up look the look up the video of back to birmingham I, I did. It's a really good video, and it's that song, and the video is dedicated to Megan's grandmother who d- died oh, cool. not too long ago. Right um, 
I will call out the one of the, my, my favorite parts about the video is their lead guitar player is wearing a black crow's shirt in a lot of the shots. So respect there. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. And it, good, I mean, that Parker Barrow, that Parker Barrow record, Brian, is so good. It was one of my top albums last year. It's such a breath of fresh air. Mm -hmm. And um, that song, Back to Birmingham, has that crossover appeal. I think country pop and Southern rock fans are going to like it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, so um blackberry smoke new record be right here came out today um i listened to it for this i i listened to it fully now earlier i just uh listened to snippets i confess yep. i don't have the physical product yet but i'm going to orange records downtown fargo to get the colored vinyl oh awesome well mine's yeah. been i got a shipping notice i believe on monday or tuesday and it's friday and it hasn't showed up to my house yet yeah, I think sometimes when you pre-order stuff, it doesn't necessarily show up on time. I think I pre-ordered uh, You Hear Georgia, but the yeah. last, you know, before that, Find a Light, I got that at the, uh, you know, the big, big, huge bookstore chain. <laughs> they have a good music department, though, you know. Nothing um, wrong with that. We, we, wrong you know, with and that. that's where I've had Find a Light, and then the same day I bought Find a Light, they had Like an Arrow there, so... But they didn't physical have it. Media but it goes to our artist pocket. So buy the physical media. I have I did some streaming of it today, Brian. Yeah, three times. Too. Every song is good, and I think right now, of all the songs we haven't heard yet, because we've heard a couple, uh, "Don't Mind If I Do" is probably my current favorite after a couple lessons. Yeah, I like "Other Side of the Light." That that's uh, unique as yeah. well. But it, this record, I think, is something where it didn't punch me in the face right away, but that's good because like, you really got to pay attention and I will be christening the new music room. That's not finished yet tomorrow. Cause that's where my turntable is. Are you in the new music room right now? Or is no, that I'm the old no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Okay. I'm in the, uh, stuff in the, uh, extra bedroom makeshift. So the place where you used to always record from, you just have fewer things in there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, I have a little bit of background left, but it's still, well. You have your posters up. Down. I think you had a turn. You had some stuff behind you that's no yeah. I did the, everything. That's all over there. Guitars are over there. The amps are over there. Everything's over there. I got a Blues Brothers poster coming. Muddy Waters, and I got a Crow's banner poster. The actual the the remedy one where Chris is yeah. holding a spoonful of medicine. Nice. It's kind of in the foreground. Yeah. 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 It's a good one. Um, so let's Wait, get to one it. last new music thing today before we get to okay. our guest, Brian. Our friends in Bourbon House, the new single Freight Train right. off the upcoming record. Great tune. Okay, again, I Bourbon House, more to listen rocking. to. Yeah, so we got a lot of good music today, a lot of good music, a lot of stuff to talk about leading into a big <laughs> podcast episode where we had a lot of stuff to talk about. Yeah, well, we uh had Tony Higby come. Yeah, come back on, hanging with Hig Higby or checking in with Tony Higby, whatever we want to call it. Um, we talked about a bunch of stuff and we talked about so much. I don't, you know, well, I wouldn't tell you anyway, because you got to listen to it. There is a <laughs> But it's crazy. It's crazy ass crazy. He he is a guy. He's cool as shit and, and a oh. good musician, obviously. But he's a guy that you can just immediately, one of those people you can just immediately start talking, having engaging conversations with, like right off the bat. Yeah, dude, I feel like I've known him like a long time or something, but he, he's yeah, 
He's going to be that type of personality. Yeah. He's so going to be a regular. He's going to be a returning regular. We'll just call him up out of the blue. Get on Zoom right now. You know what? He'd be ready for it. You know, yeah. he, he would be absolutely ready for it. And I believe we talked a little bit about Pop-Tarts on this one. And earlier this week, the the man who created Pop-Tarts died at the age really? of like 93. Yeah. Wow. I know. Holy crap. There's a lot of stuff going on. Was that today? People need to eat Pop-Tarts in celebration of the creator's life. Sure. And, you know, and hopefully not uh, join a cult from the creator's chicken. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, well, uh, we'll use that as a segue and uh, hope you guys don't have any plans because this is like two and a half hours of talking about all sorts of weird, crazy stuff. Any Anything that comes to mind. With Tony Higby right now. Enjoy. segment of the podcast jason's gonna uh introduce our returning guest yes and we're happy to have him back we had such a good time with our guest in the fall we want to get back on and talk with him we've already been laughing about stuff we can't put on the podcast but here with us again <laughs> we're gonna call this segment hanging with higby it's tony higby the great guitar player from all your favorite bands tony how you doing i'm good how are you guys doing good wow. we're good, good. this Glad is a Second in our new series of no topic, checking in with, hanging with. So we're just talking about yeah. whatever. Oh, I like this. It's almost <laughs> like I think a lot of people would think, oh, there's no pressure. Actually, there's more pressure <laughs> because we have we have no outline or no subject we're discussing. It's just basically three dudes bullshitting about about fast food name. chicken and the sauces that may or may not come with them. Yes, yes. Those bastards. I can't say their name now, can I? Nope. <laughs> well, we don't care, but you know, hey, maybe they'll sponsor us. <laughs> We're sponsor. You know, we might get a Chick-fil-A commercial that show up, shows up one day, Tony. And right now, okay, what's your beef? What's your beef with Chick-fil-A? <laughs> Not enough sauces, man. Oh, my only beef with Chick-fil-A is that the chicken is so good that it, uh, makes me forget about my core values long enough to go through that drive-through and right. get a sandwich when I'm desperate. <laughs> well, and the lack, the chintziness of the sauces. They are not giving you enough sauce when you're going through and, the drive Yeah, you know, it's 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 a uh, it's it's definitely a, a a point to argue right now. But you know, at the end of the day it doesn't give me instant food poisoning like Wendy's does. So there's that. <laughs> um, wait wait a minute. <laughs> Wendy's gives you instant food poisoning? Oh my God. I've had there, literally the last three times I've gone to Wendy's. Really? Um, oh yeah, like it makes my stomach do somersaults. I 
the last two times have been quite frankly on the road with Kiefer when we pull over at some truck stop and they're fueling the bus up and we need food. And the only thing that God forbid you go to one of those pilots that the only thing they have is a Wendy's. And so, you know, like, all right, I'll give it a shot. And I get, you know, a sandwich. And of course they don't make a normal cheeseburger. Everything's like the, the quadruple baconator mushroom (laughs) swish habanero special with the whatever fucking sauce and you know uh, uh, you know kego fries and you know a dr pepper that i I think anyways you get the idea they don't there's nothing normal at wendy's and i take on the bus and i i try to get something semi-mild and then i eat like half of it then i'm up in the jump scene of the bus screaming at the bus driver to pull over at the next exit and i'm like running off the bus while it's still rolling 10 miles an hour in the parking lot one time into the restroom at a burger king because that was the closest thing off the interstate so yeah yeah that's my experience so so it really is true about wendy's is it really is true about the rule you don't sit down on the bus nope you don't you don't you don't do that that is the rule so um i mean you can do what they call a hot bag which you can imagine i've heard about that that is you know it involves a plastic grocery bag and you know desperation winging it out of a window going 70 miles an hour and God help the person behind you. But uh, fortunately, and I'm going to knock on wood, as you hear me say this, I've never been in a situation where I had to resort to such a tactic. So that's, that's good. So Wendy's is usually one of those <laughs> restaurants you can go to for fast food. That's, you know, not like it's not low level. I'm surprised, you know, but I guess the gas station one is pretty bad. I mean, I don't know. There's, there's, not me because not all of them but there was another one before these last two that wasn't a gas station it was a standalone establishment and uh there were it still just did me wrong did me dirty yeah evidently me and wendy's i'm no longer asking where's the beef that's yeah <laughs> dave thomas what are you doing man we not were much. um we were driving through downtown columbus this weekend um went down saw my daughter at ohio state and Wherever I saw rallies, I'm like, Brian, did you have rallies up in your neck of the woods? No, Tony, know what a rally is? Is Is a rally is it kind of like a checkers? Yeah, it's the same thing, it's like the checker flag, but it's only like a drive through. I haven't seen a rallies, I had no idea those were still around. You know what? I I only know this because there's where were you at? Were you in Ohio? We are in Columbus, downtown Columbus. Yeah, you know what? I think I, I think I know what you speak of because. My girlfriend is from Columbus, right? And I was there fairly recently, and I saw that rallies. And I remember looking at it, going, "I remember looking at it, going, that kind of looks like a checkers." And it was called yeah. rallies, and I was like, "Okay, you know, I didn't know if it was one of those things where they're actually like the same entity, you know?" And, it's like Big Boy, right? Where there's all these big boys, like Frisch's Big Boy and Bob's Big Boy, and everything else. Yeah. I think rally checkered flags, like the same. Maybe they're the same company. It's like Hardy's and Carl's Jr. Right. Or, same thing. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a checkers pretty close to my house, actually. And I've never, ever had it. I don't so. know anybody that goes. I, I don't know. That's why I was surprised. I'm like, people are obviously going there. It's sitting in business. It's like, it's like the nickelback of fast food. Like <laughs> everybody talks shit and everybody says they're not going, but something's keeping the doors open. But they're, yeah, they're putting out records and going on. They're tour, putting out so records. They're selling business. out arenas. 
you know, fucking a, I mean, whatever, you know what those guys are, those guys, good for those guys. They're paying the bills. You know, I, I always laugh, you know, it's these bands that, you know, it got really cool to hate for a minute. And now Creed is selling out sheds and two cruises, you know, it's yeah. like, there's a Creed cruise, is, right? The Creed, there's cruise. two. No, there was a Creed, there's a Creed cruise and they put that shit on sale and it sold out in minutes. So they added a second cruise. There's two Creed, Creed cruises now, and they're doing a full blown amphitheater tour this year, and the shit's selling out everywhere. Sponsored by Chick Fil A. Yeah. Uh, you never. No know. shows on Sundays, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, so before you guys uh, head out, like on the road, like is there like ever anybody from the fryer? Sorry. Is there ever anybody from the road crew that like goes to the grocery store or something? You guys got like a microwave on the bus? You just heat oh. sandwiches. But it's um, supposed to be at a truck stop. You got to go in there anyway. Listen, you know, we usually all try to bring a little something on the bus for ourselves. Uh, <laughs> you know, every once in a while, you know, because you don't, it bites you in the ass. Uh, a great example. Okay. So we, yeah, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes. So, I mean, first off, the band, the whole Kiefer band is pretty much full blown coffee addiction. Like it's out of control. There's actually a small Keurig, or not small, there's a Keurig in a small road case that gets packed on the bus with us. When we go on the road, most buses have a Keurig, but Tom always makes sure that he has his Keurig. He doesn't know where the other Keurig's been. So his Keurig goes sure. on the bus. And I, I say it's a problem to the point where I'm not kidding you. We toured Europe in 2015 and in advance of that tour, Tom shipped a Keurig in a month's <laughs> supply of K-Cups for the entire band to oh. Europe to be waiting for us when we got there, only to get on the bus and use the power adapter. Yeah. And it, didn't, <laughs> and it didn't and it didn't work with the Keurig. The damn thing wouldn't run. So huh. he spent all this money to ship this Keurig and all these K-Cups over to Europe, and it was all for naught anyways. I think he actually wound up leaving it all over there because it was going to cost him more to ship it back than what it was. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but yeah, so definitely coffee's always, you know, massively important. Um, you know, I'll try to. Well, last bring time a we sandwich. talked to you, you were trying to cut back a little bit on that. Yeah, I'm trying again. <laughs> <laughs> but, but why? Why are you cutting back on coffee? Well, here's the thing. Um, having a cup or two, or even three a day, it's not terrible. I. Um, I've been known to drink a pot, pot and a half a day, pretty easy. And I take sugar in my coffee, which is also terrible for you, I'm yeah, sure. And, yeah. You know, and so, you know, A, I'm sure part of it's the, you know, the sugar demon on my back, uh, you know, but just it, it's, you know, all that caffeine and, and the acidity of the coffee is dehydrating. I've got mm -hmm. acid reflux issues. It's terrible oh, for yeah. that. Yeah. It's shitty for your voice, especially if you've got acid reflux issues. Um, you know, if we have a tour coming up, I try to make it a point to cut back um, before that. But I'll be honest with you. I get so busy and get going so hard a lot of times that, you know, my default, I think like a lot of people is, uh, oh man, I'm dragging ass today. I'm so tired. I didn't get enough sleep last night. And this, that, and the other. And I'm fucking making myself a cup of coffee in the middle of the afternoon or go buy my favorite coffee shop in Nashville, Eighth and Roast, which, you know, is the best coffee shop in Nashville, but I digress. So, you know, go get a cup of coffee there, whatever. And 
yeah, it keeps me going, but I do that enough and often enough and almost turns into more of a routine than a, than right. a you know, once a, every once in a while thing. And then I just get to the point where I just feel like shit all the time. And yeah. it's, if I can pull myself back, rein it in, keep it, you know, two or three cups, cap it before noon and just kind of pull it all in. I just wind up feeling way better as a whole. It's better for my voice. Um, you know, it's, it's just, it checks all the boxes. You know, I just physically feel better. As you doing t- drinking any tea or anything like green tea or. No. And the thing is I like green tea, but you know, I've got a pretty iron stomach, but for whatever reason, green tea gives me a stomach ache every time I drink it. Huh. Um, my girl, my girlfriend drinks green tea and all kinds of different, yeah. you know, chamomile teas and all that stuff all the time. Um, but yeah, green tea, like I like it and I know it's, you know, not, not bad for you at all. Um, but yeah, every time I drink it, I get like this low grade stomach ache. So, huh. Which is funny because I could drink all this coffee and French roast and, you know, oh, French dip French and everything else. Harsh. Yeah. And it doesn't, that doesn't bother me, but for some reason, huh. green tea does. Who knows? Brian, you drink coffee? I haven't drank coffee in a long time. Man, we had breakfast those two days together in Nashville a couple of years ago, and I don't recall or remember seeing you drink coffee. No. I didn't start drinking coffee until I was like, 30 and my second kid was born my wife and i both didn't drink coffee and then all of a sudden it was like wh- why didn't we drink coffee earlier <laughs> diet mountain diet mountain is my vice we call that a larry at my wife's work with a guy who loved diet mountain dews and saw he drink and his name was larry so we we refer to diet mountain dew as a larry <laughs> is larry still with us uh larry larry is alive he's no longer he no longer works with me but larry Larry Newport, if you're listening, there you go. The Larry, the Larry story. Making making sure the Diet Mountain Dew didn't take him out. No, no, he drank it because he was diabetic, though. And I'm like, that can't be that good for you. You know, there's no sugar, but a lot of kids. drop in the middle of this chat, (laughs) you'll know something. If you guys ever drink enough (laughs) or caffeine where you feel your heart, like you can actually feel your heart going? No. And that's probably a sign that I drink way too much caffeine. I can actually, I, no. I have gotten, I've gotten on the bus, drank a cup of coffee at 10 PM and put myself to bed at 10 30. Yeah. And I can sleep. Jeez. I yeah. can, I can sleep if I have a cup of coffee at night, like this Saturday, again, you know, the day I saw rallies, uh, we picked up my daughter and one of her friends and we took them, they wanted something. So we went to Dunkin' Donuts, got them a little food, got them. And I got an, an extra cup of coffee. It was like my fourth cup of the day. By the time I was done with that, we went to do, doing what we're doing. I could like, I almost felt like I was drunk and I could feel my heart because I had way too much caffeine. It was, it's kind of scary. I was like, am I having a stroke? Well, and then you're, you're drinking Duncan. So it's got a bunch of sugar in it probably too. I just got black. I just drink my coffee black. All right. Cool. I like it to be bitter and harsh. Just like life is. I don't want to sweeten it up. <laughs> you want to, you want to taste everything that you're experiencing taste. outside. I do. That's why I drink in the you know morning. Get you ready for the day. It's bitter, harsh, and hot. And just you're, you're off to you're off to your start of the day, man. So, then I ask you: Did you guys did you guys ever get oddly to do the show? No. Okay. So, well, he's playing with uh, Jason Isbell right now, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He is. So, um, oddly, I saw oddly one day. He was. I was helping him sell some amps uh that belong to keith gaddis uh his friend who you know our friend his friend mm-hmm. who, who passed away tragically a few months back 
And um, oddly, I see him, he comes up to me and he goes, he goes, uh, man, I was just, I, I almost, I'm almost scared to do the impersonation now. <laughs> yeah. Very quiet and slow. You know, speech. you know, well, no, yeah, it's just, you know, you know what I'm just going to do it because I'll, I'll, I'll go with this. You'll understand. He goes, he goes, he goes, man, I just listened to you all the way here. And I go, what? Like what band? He goes, no, no, I was, I was listening to a podcast. And, uh, I go, I go, really? He goes, he goes, because I did my brain. I'm like, I never imagined oddly free of listening to a podcast, much less a podcast of me. <laughs> and I'd done several in kind of a short period of time there. And I go, which one of those? He goes, oh, my animals is that, uh, all things blues and Southern rock podcast. Those guys, you know, they said something about maybe being all sometime. And, you know, I was checking it out. And I said, uh, I said, Oh, I said, you should do that. I said, they're cool dudes. I said, I had a blast. They're a lot of fun. I said, good guys. I said, and they're fans. He goes, yeah, I don't usually do that sort of thing, but, uh, and then it hits me and I go, Oh, Oh, I go, where are you at? in that podcast is, yes. Oh man, I'm just getting to the part where you move to Atlanta and and uh, and I go, oh oh, well, just so you know, there's a part coming up. And oh, he goes, no no no, don't tell me, don't tell me, because I don't want to know. And I'm like, but he goes, no no, I just want to hear it. I'm I'm enjoying listening to your story. Okay. And so for the next few hours, I'm my gut is in knots because all I can think about is telling that story about the jogging and the short shorts you know and the socks and and i'm like and in 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 the voice and i'm like oh my god fuck he's gonna hear this fuck and i'm like so i'm so nervous and before he left me i go i go hey man just so you know there is a part where you come up and I just want you to know that it make sure you know that it comes from a place of love. <laughs> He's like, gives me this kind of weird look. And so I'm, I'm like wrecked about it. So a few hours later, I just finished eating lunch. I'm in my car and I see a text come up. I'll be free. I'm like, shit. And I, I hit <laughs> my phone at the next stop sign. And it says, <clears throat> it says, hey, man, thanks for the kind words. And then he said, uh, he goes, by the way, guess where I was when, when I heard that part? Dot, 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 jogging. <laughs> and then he, goes, <laughs> he, goes, he goes, he goes, I call it, and he put this in quotes, the gazelle. <laughs> and I just they're like, oh, oh, thank God, thank God, because I was so scared I I was going to offend him. So I was like, oh man, please God, and because uh, I just like I said a million years, I just never imagined oddly going. I'm going to listen to this podcast that Tony Higgins did. <laughs> it never occurred to me. I mean, he's probably I afraid to come on now. <laughs> I would absolutely listen to a podcast that he did because right. you know, he never because he never does interviews. Number one, and number two, I just love the guy to death. But but yeah, I was like, oh my god. So anyway, yeah. So that's that's what happened after the last. It's uh, <laughs> great. It's probably afraid we're going to ask him about his jogging attire. That's why he's not coming on. <laughs>
you know what? From from his response, I get the impression he'd be more than happy to discuss it with you. <laughs> so, hey, man, you know what? That dude, he is in shape, plays his dick off. Um, he's the nicest guy on earth. He's never going to be in a want for a gig. Um, yep. You know, he checks every cool box there is to check for rock and roll guitar. There's like, I, I mean, every one of them. There's, there's just nothing. There's nothing not cool about Oddly Free. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. So, has, you know. Do you know, has he always been like a, you know, health, healthy guy like that? I'm trying to picture him when he was in the crows and stuff he made. Now, so <laughs> well, I mean, listen, he's always, you know, been real thin and tall. I think, I think, I think his height actually almost, you know, really makes how thin he is just seem that much more pronounced. But um, I mean, as long as I've known him, I mean, listen, man, I'm sure. I mean, I don't know that I don't know if I call my health nut. I mean, I'm I'm sure he tips back a couple beers here and there. He might smoke a joint every once in a while. I have no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> um, I really don't. But you know, he just he just does cardio and he stays fit. He takes care of himself and he's just a badass mofo. You know, so yeah, I mean, it's kind of like I say about him. If Isabella has you fill in for him on mm-hmm. guitar, like you can't be a slouch. No, not at all. Um, you know, and is he filming for Sadler? Is that who he's filming for? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, uh, and Sadler's absolutely not a slouch either. Super well-respected. And, uh, you know, I've never met him. I don't think, man, I've never, I've never talked to a person who has a bad thing to say about that guy either. So, yeah. you know, I kind of get, the, I kind of get the impression that if you're in Jason's band, like Jason, you're probably a pretty stand-up dude. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he seems to be a real, a real good guy, you know, good values yeah. and good, good person, you know? Yeah. I met Jason a couple of times and he's never been anything, but you know, super sweet. And, uh, we, you know, another, another mega talent right there. 
I've reached out to his PR about having him on, particularly in the last record came out and nothing, but I, that would be a good, a good person to have on here from got his whole career from the drive-by truck. I saw him and the truckers open up for the crows, everything he's doing now. And just, you know, just, a, he seems like just a good entertainer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, what a great voice and, you know, great songwriter. I mean, his lyrics are, his lyrics are where it's at, man. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm hoping, I'm hoping he's, you know, I feel like he's the tip of the spear of a, of a really great wave of new singer songwriters, you know, I mean, there, there's more to it than that. I mean, he's, you know, clearly he's a, a really accomplished guitar player and, um, you know, he's just a great musician all the way around. It's not, it's not all about, you know, I'd say singer-songwriter get a little leery because a lot of people think of James Taylor and they think of, right, you know, right. the Carly folk Simon. Stuff, yeah. yeah, you know, the folkier stuff like that. But I mean, he, it's like he's got all of those great elements, but he, you know, injects it into the guise of, of Southern rock and, you know, a little bit of country and stuff like that. And, you know, it's just a much more musical experience, I think, in addition to how great all those lyrics and vocals are. Well, we talked about Ollie Freed being tall, but you, sir, are also shockingly tall yourself. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm just right at maybe a hair under six three. Um, but uh, I, I seem to play in tall bands. You know, Damon Johnson is not a short person either. Yeah, how tall uh, is he? Because he doesn't I, like come off like he's tall. He, him, and I are about the same height. Are you okay? Yeah, yeah. And then Tom is Tom Kiefer is about. I know Tom's tall. Yeah, he's about he's about a half inch shorter than me, um, yeah. but he wears those boots, those platforms that are like this, you know. So at that point, he's about four inches taller than me when we're on stage, you know. But uh, yeah, I, I told Brian about the story about meeting you at the um, <laughs> Brother Kane show out there in Columbus, and you came around the bus. And I was like, "Fuck, that guy's tall." Because usually we meet people, and like they're always like. Not very big, man. Like nobody's very big. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do. I played two of the tallest bands in rock. Um, but then you see guys like you ever, you ever met anybody in Aerosmith? Mm-hmm. No, huh? That'll catch you off guard. Really, um, how small they are? They're, they're, yeah. You know, because I mean, you know, you think about those posters, those photos, and you know, Joe and Stephen, they look larger than life, and. You know, I've known Brad for, I bet I've known Brad for probably 14, 15 years now. He's lived here for a long time. Um, and, you know, got to be buddies with him and acquainted with him. And then obviously Buck Johnson, when he's available playing in uh, Brother Kane, I've gotten to know Buck and Buck's a wonderful human being. But I remember going to see Aerosmith for the first time uh, in Atlanta. Well, not for the first time, but. After I got to know Brad, I saw Aerosmith in Atlanta and he put me and uh, my ex and then a couple of our friends, he, we, we, okay, we go, we go to this show in Atlanta. Cause I did want to ask him about being on the guest list uh, for uh, Nashville because I, I mean, he would, I knew he would put me on cause he told me as much. And there's even more to that story later, but <clears throat> I, I was like, you know what? I haven't seen my best friend in Atlanta, my old roommate, David in a long time. I'll go down there, meet him. Him and his wife, Tonya, can come with us. We'll go to the show, spend some time together. Anyways, so I hit Brad up about that. I was like, hey, man, would, would it be a problem if we came down and saw you in the He's like, oh, no, come on down. It's all great. So I met Brad. Brad's not a tall guy at all. Um, 
but he's actually probably one of the taller guys in that band. And I didn't realize it until we get there and we walk in and I'm trying to figure out where I'm going, looking at these tickets. And I show the tickets to the lady. I go, excuse me, where, where is this? She goes, she looks, she goes, Oh, 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 you're going to like these tickets. I'm like, yeah. She goes, hang on. And she waves somebody over and they come and they get us. I'm like, all right. So they walk us around. We go through this tunnel and I felt like we walked like three football fields. And all of a sudden we kind of pop out this door and right up. And I'm not kidding you when I tell you, we were basically against a barricade, like the railing on Joe Perry's side of the stage. Like, it's like, like, boom, here's the railing. And Joe Perry is 10 to 12 feet in front of me, in front of his amps playing. I'm like, holy shit. And it struck me then. I was like, wow, they're not as tall as I thought they were. And then Steven comes over and high fives my ex. Now, mind you, she was like just shy of 5'3". And I'm not sure Steven was as tall as her. Now, what? He came over and high fived her. And I was like, whoa. Yeah, oh. he's he's a little dude. Man, huh. he's Steven Tyler. He's still larger yeah. than life. Just the personality, yeah. Yeah, you know, but you just, you never, it, it never occurred to me. Um, a lot of people say the same thing about Angus, that Angus is just mm-hmm. tiny. Yeah, you know? I've heard, I, I heard that, yeah. I, I've never met Angus, but I know that when I, uh, um, when I try to play a Gibson SG, it looks like a ukulele on me. It's the dumbest <laughs> thing you've ever seen. But you give Angus an SG and it almost looks like a 335 on him. Right, right. You know. <laughs> So but he's got to be able to fit in schoolboy uniform. So he's small. That's true. That's true. Yeah, that's, that's an authentic schoolboy uniform. So you said so, Brad Whitford lives in Nashville. He does. He does. He's lived here he, for, I'd say, probably fifteen years. Did he get there? Does that have anything to do with like uh, Graham moving there to to get into Tyler and the Shakedown, or was? Now I don't know. I don't know the timeline of that. Uh, I remember. I remember. Come to think of it, I do think I met Graham before I had met Brad. Um, and I remember the first time I met Brad, I saw him. Uh, he walked into my he walked into my office at GC, and I remember seeing him and looking at him and going, "Holy shit, that kid looks just like Brad Whitford on the Get Your Wings record!" Like. It was striking, like from across the room. And um, I asked him what his name was, and he said, Graham. And we talked for a little bit. And then throughout the conversation, I just looked at him, I go, has anybody ever told you how much you look like Brad Whitford? And he just started laughing. He goes, yeah. (laughs) And I go, and I go, I go, I think you've gotten that before. He goes, yeah, he's my dad. I was like, okay, (laughs) that makes all the sense (laughs) in the world because dear God, you know, he did. He looked just like he looked just like Brad, but his hair was more brown than red. That was it, you know. Um, but uh, and then I went, remember going to seeing Graham with uh, Tyler Bryant in the Shakedown for the first time uh, at Twelfth and Porter here in town, and they were just Killer. you know what a what a righteous rock man, you know. Great Graham's such a monster guitar player, and you know Tyler's obviously Tyler, um, and I love the whole dynamic of that band, you know, because Tyler's I mean it's Tyler's name on the marquee. Yeah. Um, but I love that Tyler, for as much of a mega talent as he is, is secure enough in his own skin to make sure to showcase how great the other guys in his band are. Yep. Um, yep. I think that speaks volumes to Tyler's character. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, 
you know, he's also just, you know, a really sweet guy, just a wonderful dude and a, and a monster player. Yeah. He's been on so, twice. The second time Graham was on with him. So yeah, yeah. these are awesome to talk to. Absolutely. And then Graham, he gets out there and does other stuff too. When he gets a sure. chance, I remember he was out subbing some gigs playing for tonic a little bit. Here oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. And he was stoked about it. He like, he loves tonic, you know, tonic has like, they're heavier than, than you would remember them to be. I heard, um, open up your eyes a couple weeks ago, just showed up on a random. I'm like, that's heavy. There's like four layered guitars in it. There's a slide there's, and it's a little bit of a heavy riff. You know, I, I feel like there's some bands that were sneaky heavy back in yeah. that period of time, the late nineties, early two thousands tonic, I feel like was one of them. Uh, I feel like another band that checks that box from time to time is Switchfoot. You oh, know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're one of those bands. They were like, "Show back... me how to." Li- li- what was that song? They had that big one. No, no, no. They they had that. Um, no, that was. I'm thinking. No, show me how to live. That, that no, was. We uh... were that we. Your show me how to live is audio slave. Audio we were slave. Meant, Thank you. We were meant to live for so there much more. That I know it had song. live in it somewhere. Okay. Yeah, there's that song, and then there's another song called Stars from the next record it was a great rock tune um and uh there was uh they did a record a third record called oh gravity and, and i never cared for the bulk of the first two records but they both had a song or two that i thought were great and then that third record i thought had a lot of great songs on it like from front to back is a really cohesive album but um you know i think the couple of those early switchfoot tracks the kind of heavy drop d thing they reminded me a lot of injected uh from atlanta and i was a huge injected fan and um you know I I actually heard a story. Do you know those guys injected? Did you ever get into them at all? I know the name. I couldn't tell you what they any of their songs were. I would they had one song that was kind of a big hit on active rock radio called Faithless back in 2000, 2001. Uh, it's the first album, to my knowledge, the first major label album that Butch Walker ever produced. Oh no shit. Okay. Yeah, he did it for Island. If you listen to that record, you can hear Butch Butch's voice on some of the background vocals. Um, but a good friend of mine, this guy named Danny Grady, it was his band and they were killer. They were like, it riff wise, it was like everything that I loved about helmet and clutch, mm-hmm. but with catch, but with catchy songs. Um, those oh. are the guys that, those are the guys that got me into, um, uh, those are the guys that got me into Bogner amps, Danny specifically. Mm-hmm. And I've been using I mean, the Bogner Shiva EL34 amp has been like my main go-to amplifier for 21 years now. Like that's the amp that goes to every single gig with me. I, you know, from time to time, like with Kiefer, with Crew, I'll actually blend, like right now I'm blending a 6,800 watt Marshall with it. But if it comes down to just one amp, it's always going to be that Bogner. And I, you know, that's what I used on the whole tour with Brother Kane. And, um, you know, that all stems from me Going to I was looking at your gear then. when you guys were playing yeah. your guitars and your your amp and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's you know, like I said, that first Bogner Shiva I bought 21 years ago, and I've had it ever since. Wow. So one of those cabinet, one of those cabinets is that old too. Huh. Now, so but if you get a chance, check out Injected. They only had one album. Okay. They only had one album that was called Burn It Black. Uh, it's a great, great rock record. Big, dirty, loud guitar rock. Camaro rock as we called it when it came out. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I checked out a bunch of the bands that you recommended to Brian and I last time, like the Gaza strippers. I think I sent you some yeah. notes on. And then um, 
something wizard. Oh, bad wizard. Yes, mm -hmm. they were great, and that's who Tina from uh, from uh, Jane Lee Hooker was in. Like, yeah, and I couldn't yeah. believe that. I saw like their videos. I'm like, well, that's Tina Gorin. Like, holy shit! And then yeah, I chatted her. She's like, yeah, I was in that. Like, very nonchalantly. I'm like, um, Tina, why didn't that come up at like the two times we've spoken to you before? Like, that's a kick-ass band. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I when I saw them, obviously she was in the band. It was on the Sky yeah. High tour, and they were opening for the Helicopters. Um, and they were great, man. It was the Masquerade. I'd never heard of them. I love. You know, it just doesn't happen very often anymore. I can really the last time it did, but I love that rare occasion when you walk into a venue to see one band and you have no idea who the support act is and they come out and they just blow your head off, you know? Yeah. And I can, I can think of a few times in my life that's happened. I mean, that happened with, uh, that happened with, with them. That happened with uh, Bad Wizard, obviously. That happened with Supergroup. Um, I remember going to see another local band who was playing before them at the star bar in Atlanta and they got done the super group went on we're getting ready to leave and they came out and they went into their first song and we were like wait a minute we're not going anywhere and uh stayed there and watched them and I never missed them whenever they came through town after that um you know and then on maybe a little bigger level <clears throat> many many years ago uh during my very brief prog phase uh <laughs> I went to see dream theater in Chicago at the House of Blues, and their opening band was Big Wreck. And oh yeah, yeah, Big Wreck. Like, I know those guys. Yeah. It was like '98, and I, don't, I think their new record was coming out like a week or two after this show, um, their first album. And oh. I just figured there's some local band, and I walked in right when they started, and they were unbelievable. Just blew the roof off the place. They were killer, um, and the crowd was terrible to them. It was this weird. It was like this weird jockey prog sausage fest audience that was yeah. like it wasn't it was strange it was really weird man there's like here's these guys are out there and they're not obviously they're not dream theater but who is but yeah. then there's these guys yeah. there's these guys on the barricade that are just berating them in between every song it's like what are you screaming at these dudes for like they're they're fucking great they're up there killing it dude sings his ass off it sounds like a freight train all the way to the back of the room but, you know, I guess they weren't playing enough notes per minute to, you know, <laughs> satiate these guys on the barricade. And they were literally like, fuck you. You suck. John Petrucci, <laughs> Dream Theater. Like, they're like yelling. Like, it was like this weird. It was like the audience you would expect to see on the barricade in a fucking uh, Kid Rock headlined festival. I like It was just so strange just to see these. It was almost rednecky, but they weren't because they were. Prague guys, it was just bizarre. It, I I'd never seen anybody be that brutal to a killer band, you know. And they were just oh. awful to them. Um, but they were so good. And uh, you know, I've seen them half a dozen times since then. I never miss a chance to see them when they come through. And uh, you know, I think they're still making amazing music. They just had a new EP that Nick Rasky Linux did, and really? it's ridiculous. Yeah, and it's ridiculous. And they've got two more EPs following because I guess basically. They recorded a double album with them and Nick, they were going to release this as a double record and the label kind of put the kibosh on it and made it break it up. So they broke it up into three EPs and uh, the first one's already come out. It's called Pages Volume 1. So obviously it'll probably be a volume two and three and it's fantastic. Um, but Ian, Ian Thornley's maybe... Of all the most of all the amazing guitar players that we all love, Ian Thornley might be the most terrifying guitar player I've ever seen live. 
What do you mean by terrifying? The, the dude, he he can he can keep up with anybody, and uh, he I mean he can he can straight burn like up and down the fretboard, play as fast as anybody. His nose selection is incredible. His slide plane is impeccable. Like his slide plane is Derek Trucks level, um, but he can straight shred too. And the guy sings like a young Chris Cornell meets Robert Plant. It's stupid. It's like nobody should be able to do all these things and he can do all these things and he makes it look like really, really easy the whole time. So, you know. And well, I just pull songs. that up. I'm going to listen to that. I'm going to check out their new stuff. Yeah. Brian, what is the best opening band that you've seen or you can remember? Some good ones. Um, The record company opened for Blackberry Smoke. I thought they were really That's good. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Um, that off the top of my head. Yeah, I'm trying to think too of like some people that blew me away. I saw the Buffalo Killers open up for the Crows once. Yeah, they were really good. They were really good. I thought they were good, like good for an opener. Man. Yeah. Trying to, the best, I, the, the best, the best opener I've ever seen. Um, I saw Soundgarden open for Skid Row. Oh yeah. 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 Bad bad motorfinger tour. That, that was, is uh that was ridiculous. And was that the Slave to the Grind tour for Skid yep. Row at that point? Okay. Yeah. Yep. I mean, you got to, had some heaviness to go together, but I know like Alice in Chains, I think, opened up for Kiss and some other bands. Like when the that grunge toehold hadn't quite gotten there yet, they were opened up for some more of the, you know, the, the flamboyant bands. Yeah. Well, and to be fair, I mean, Skid Row, especially come Slave to the Grind, man, they could, they, heavy. Were, they were, they were a dirty, heavy rock band yeah. at that point. They were heavy. Yeah. And so that night, you know, I try to tell people this, but that night when I saw Skid Row, it didn't feel Soundgarden being on that bill didn't feel disjointed or weird at all. It didn't. Yeah. It actually it, it made plenty of sense. It, it didn't. It didn't seem strange. It, it worked. You know. Yeah. Uh, which is why, which is why I think it's you know a shame when that grunge wall came down that it you know it really it really stepped on and alienated a lot of bands that didn't deserve that. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. I mean, change like that's inevitable, and there's always going to be those bands are going to be huge one minute, and then you know the whipping children, you know, poster boys for the next decade, you know. Um, but man, that that grunge thing really took a huge swath of bands out, just huge, you know. I'd never seen something like that before. I mean, that's like my late teens, early twenties, and I always try to imagine like. Did some of the bands that were doing that kind of whatever you want to call Los Angeles kind of thing, glam thing, did they realize, was there any way of knowing at that point that it was being just like a commodity and that something was going to come along and it was going to be the next fad or whatever? I wonder how many realized that or or just were just I, kind of I, I don't, I don't ever get the, it. yeah, I mean, I don't ever get the impression like, you know, I, I, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm around some of those people. You know, yeah, especially playing yeah. with Tom, yep. um, and I, I don't get the impression that any of them really saw that coming. You know, and I think if you ask most of them, they'd tell you that the first time that they heard Nevermind, they would say, "Oh yeah, I heard it." I was like, "Man, this is this is cool. These are you know, man, these are some great songs. Totally different sound." I, but I, I certainly don't think anybody expected that it was going to create this huge backlash that was going to wipe out you know mm-hmm. so many existing successful bands, you know, or just make them. Be viewed as obsolete. It's amazing. <clears throat> There's a few bands that have managed to, to tough it out and you know keep working, but man, they I can't imagine being Def Leppard and going from the level they were at back down to 
you know, a small theater and possibly even yeah. a club act to a point yep. and then build it all the way back up to where they're at now. I mean, those guys, mm. give those guys props. They never, ever quit. They just kept going. They kept making records and they just played to whatever size audience they could. And they just, you know, they never let their foot off the gas. And, you know, they're, they're laughing last because they're reaping the rewards of it. You know, I mean, well, yeah, they're doing all, the arena shows. Yeah. 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 You think about all those bands that wiped them out. Um, and most of them are gone. You know? Well, a lot of the big ones too, other than really Pearl Jam, and they had guys that just succumbed to, to drug addiction and just, yeah, yeah. you know, that's the shame is like Scott Weiland and, you know, uh, well, uh, Lane Staley from Alice in Chains, right? Yeah. And yeah, even Andrew later Ward. now, yeah, like in quote Cornell killing himself, even, even later yeah. on, like, you know, he yeah. would still be around, not that old of a guy making great music. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, super sad. I, you know, I think, um, I mean, I, th I think a lot of times people, they, they embrace the aesthetic of a musical movement, Yeah, but they don't necessarily understand the, um, what created that movement to begin with, you know, uh, you know, you don't gangsta rap didn't get real to them until, you know, Biggie and Tupac got shot right. and then then it got really real really fast you know um because you know most of you know myself included most of us white kids that were growing up in the suburbs or the midwest or wherever we didn't understand where that was coming from it it excited us it moved us it you know it sold millions and millions of records but we didn't understand you know we 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 didn't live a life that could possibly allow our, ourselves to grasp everything that was happening that would cause that movement, you know, gangster rap, for example, to occur. Same with grunge though. I mean, you know, the, here's these guys that, you know, clearly felt disenfranchised and weren't part of anything that was going on in rock before that, you know, by their own admission from a lot of them are like, man, I can't play like Van Halen or do any of this tapping shreddy stuff, whatever, but they had something to say and they grew up, you know, in real dire, you know, maybe more dire circumstances in some cases, or maybe just in kind of a semi-dire place to be in at the time, which was, you know, Seattle, which seems to rain, you know, 300 days a year. And, <laughs> and you know, at least by all, by all accounts, you know, and, um, you know, it created a groundswell of the movement there, but people, yeah, it created another aesthetic that people embraced. And it was completely removed from the stuff that may get beat over the head with by MTV for years. But then people didn't really understand how real some of those sad lyrics were, you know, that were moving them so much until we lost Kurt, until we lost, you know, Lane, until we lost Andrew Wood, uh, you know, all these guys that, you know, yeah, they were, they were poets and they had these beautiful things to say. And a lot of times they're really dark, but they're really dark because they were coming from a place where they were really dark and they were trying to work through some shit. And a lot of them didn't make it out the other side. And that's really sad. So nowadays, you know, we mentioned the selling of millions of records, like most of the bands that we, you know, talk to, you know, nowadays that pot of gold's not at the end of the rainbow. I mean, nobody's selling millions of records. And I'm wondering, like, when you started, where were you at with that? And But I would imagine the bands nowadays, they just never knew that. So I, I've never hear any of them go, God, I wish there was like a Learjet and a limo and a, you know what I mean? Like, so... I don't. I guess I don't even know what my question is. That's just an observation. Like, what, what's your take on that? That my just my hats off to these bands that, that don't 
they're not in an era where there's this big, huge record industry promotional machine and millions of dollars and, you know, good thing, bad thing. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I think uh, obviously the business model has changed a ton, you know, back in the day you toured to promote selling a record. Now you put a record out to promote a tour. Right. It's like it's totally flipped. And yep. basically it's because, you know, bands have figured out, Hey, we're not going to, unless you're Taylor Swift, you're not going to sell millions of albums again. Um, there's no money there. Uh, we're going to make our revenue and concert tickets, you know, and then in turn, you have a lot of people that complain about how much it costs to buy a concert ticket these days. It's like, well, you don't want to pay for your music. Like by buying physical media, you're going to have to pay for it somewhere because mm -hmm. nobody, you know, nobody's going to work for free. I mean, we mm -hmm. all love what we do, but you know, we have to be able to sustain ourselves too. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and then in turn, you've also got record labels that do things a lot differently now too, where yeah, they'll distribute a record and they'll put it out. But you know, if you've got a major label machine behind you, they're going to take a piece of your touring revenue. They're going to take a piece of your merch. They're going to take a piece of all this stuff, you know? So that's a completely different model too, versus those things weren't even in the equation back in the day because the goal was to sell records. So, you know, I think, um, once again, I think, I mean, I, I feel like we're talking about a subject. I don't know that I'm answering a question per se, but, uh, you know, I think, I'd love to, I think anybody would tell you they'd love to sell you, sell you a million records or sell a million records because if you sell a million records, you're probably playing stadiums. But, uh, you know, now in this world of streaming and everything else, you know, that, that model's just completely flipped. Uh, I still love physical media. I can't wait to buy physical yep. media and listen to good new records. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, unfortunately, we're, you know, us guys, we're kind of in the minority a little bit. You know, not a little bit, a lot, you know, a lot of people, they, they aren't buying physical copy. They're just, mm -hmm. they're, they're just streaming. They're, they're, they're getting their instant gratification and then moving on. Uh, granted, we've seen a lot of gains in physical media in the last few years, but still it's minuscule compared to what it was. Yeah. I, I got so much to say. So I'm going to start with just a rant. Then I, then I'll have a question. First, my right. rant, <laughs> Chick-fil-A, why isn't it open on Sundays? No. <laughs> Yeah. Ticket prices. I don't. Yeah, there are some really crazy ticket prices, but generally ticket prices are relatively affordable for the most for most regular people, unless you're going to like that arena show or something. I think where I'm pissed off and where I think a lot of my friends are pissed off is when we go to buy a ticket and there's a bunch of fees on it. For instance, oh, yeah. last fall went to go see Dirty Honey. It was a twenty five dollar ticket. It had $14 in charges on a $25 ticket. I'm like, mm -hmm. I was as soon as you said that, I was going to be like, let me guess it was 40 bucks. Yeah. yeah. Like if you told me I'm going to pay $40 to see dirty honey and they're going to get 35 out of the $40. I'm happy with that. I'm great. I know yeah. ticket agencies and, and places have to get a little bit of cut, but like the live nation ticket master, charging fee after fee after fee for no work they're doing because everything's electronic pisses me off i would rather take 25 dollars and walk up to the stage to john nada who we've had on before and hand him another 15 dollars while he's playing i would be okay with that yeah yeah i mean that's that's a i i agree with everything you just said it's just yeah. it's just crazy you know and 
You go to buy two fifty dollar tickets. It's a hundred bucks to go somewhere cool, fine, fair. There's forty dollars on top of that for charges. Now it's a hundred and forty dollar show. You know, on top of everything else you want to do. So, I something's got to be done at some point about the charges that third parties and brokers do. Well, I I think you know the thing that floors me, all of those things. Yeah, I think there should just be this is how much the ticket costs. Yeah. That's it. If there's sales tax, okay, I know there's sales tax, whatever, but that's it. That should be, don't- Don't show don't, me the, the, the fees even, because- yeah, yeah, don't yeah don't show me the face value and then tell me at the end of it, there's all these fees. Just you know, tell me the whole kit and caboodle up front. But <laughs> right. I know I know for a fact that there's been studies done and there, there have been a couple of ticket brokers that have tried over the years, like in recent history, to- uh, the re- I mean, the reason they do it is because they want to lull the consumer into thinking they're only spending X when they're really spending Y. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if they just come out of the gate saying, here's why, this is this is the total amount you're going to spend, if they just see the higher number, they get the sticker shock and they're less likely to buy. Um, but still, it's not right. And they should just be upfront about that stuff. And unless... I think we're at a point where unless Congress steps in and does something about it. Yeah. And I right. hear I hear I hear rumblings from time to time, but I don't ever actually see any real final action being taken, you know. Until yeah. until something actually gets done there, if it ever gets done, it's probably not going to change sadly. And the other you know, the other aspect of that too is you know, when I was growing up, it was illegal to scalp tickets. Mm-hmm. Now there's scalping sites everywhere. You know, yep. they call it the secondhand market, but it's scalping, you know, and I don't understand why it's suddenly legal for an organization to do that. But, you know, Vinny behind the Civic Center, you get arrested for upping you 15 bucks on your Billy Squire tickets and, you know, 1989 or whatever. I, I don't, there's really, there's truly no difference there except for now it looks more, instead of Vinny trying to get his extra 15 bucks on a ticket, it just looks quite frankly like a more organized crime, you know? Well, well, the agents, and Brian, I know you got a question, but the agents hold tickets back for the secondary market too for markups. It's That's bullshit too. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, you know, there's times where tickets go on sale. It's like, you can't tell me that this whole arena just sold out in three minutes. Well, the early ticket access codes don't matter anymore. I've got better tickets not doing that than I have the early access. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that too. I've seen that too, you know? Uh, or where you're trying to buy tickets online um, and you're hitting the button and, and just, you know, okay, here's two tickets. And then you get to the next screen and you hit the thing and nope, those are gone already. Sorry. But what about these? And what about these? I mean, me and my girlfriend went through hell just trying to get tickets to see the Marvelous three at the tabernacle last year. It took like, you know, Which it was like, yeah, it was like it, it would every right. Talk about a mega talent and every, you know, every, time we hit a button sorry it's sold out and then there'd be more tickets magically appear and the prices are moving and everything else and it's just like it was just a shit show you know so i uh yeah i, I don't get online to buy tickets very often um but on the rare occasion that i do it's a very frustrating experience that i feel for anybody yeah. Yeah. Who's, who's doing that you know so yeah so guys like us we always still buy the records of the bands we love and I think of like all the millions of people that used to buy records. Was it that fashionable and trendy to so many of them that when they could get it for free or was it just back then, that's the only way you get something when you could look at a record and see all the liner notes and all that. I mean, it's so 
I don't know. It just seems like if you could survey the amount of people that listen to music, like do more as the bigger percentage of people that just listen to it for background noise. Because why aren't there as many passionate people that still are going to go buy a record, even if they know they can get it, you know, st streaming or downloaded or whatever. It's kind of frustrating, you know? Yeah. I, you know, I, I, and listen, I'm sure there's a lot of different theories on this. I'm sure my own, I would actually say that I think that people are so much more prone to getting distracted these days because of social media and because of their phones that they've got in their hands 24 seven. And, you know, all that stuff that it's just, I feel like we've through smartphones primarily um, and things like that, we've created a much shorter attention span for ourselves as a society. And as a result, that spilled over into the arts and uh, into listening to music. I guess why you see a lot of bands that you just release one single after another single after another mm -hmm. single, or they're only putting out EPs and, you know, it's a rare occurrence that somebody puts out a double album. And then when they do, it doesn't really move any needles. It's just, they put out a whole bunch of songs instead of a few songs. Um, and good luck getting somebody to sit through all 18 songs. You know, I, I love, I grew up on that experience of sitting and taking in a whole record Mm -hmm. um and really in, enjoying it and digging into it and getting to know it and listening to it over and over and over again and picking it apart you know letting those deeper cuts grow on me more and become my favorite songs after a while and you know getting lost in the artwork and getting you know finding out all the stuff about the band that i love and stuff like that uh and so it's a more tactile experience for me. And I think for maybe for a lot of guys our age, you know, mm -hmm. and older and maybe a little bit younger. Um, but I think once streaming came in and the internet, I feel like at that point you started to see diminishing returns on people's attention spans and it got harder and harder to get people to listen to a record from front to back. And now they just want to hear their song or they want to hear their hit or they want to, you know, uh, you know, it's just, it's just so, here today, gone in five minutes with everything right now. And I, I feel like, unfortunately, that spilled over into uh, music and uh, mm. how much people are, how much time people are willing to give music. And I do think there's a lot of background music uh, in people's lives. You know, I think a lot of people are constantly listening to music at work, but, you know, mm. they're listening, they're listening to their comfort food music. They're listening to those classic rock streaming stations and, you know, or their 80s, whatever, you know what I mean? They're, they've got their XM on and they're probably hearing the same group of songs over and over and over and over and over again, you know? So, uh, yeah, I mean, but listen, I, you know, I'm, I'm doing, I'm trying to do my part. I mean, I bought the new Green Day album and I probably listened to it 25 times because I think it's a great fucking record, you know? Um, and it keeps growing on me more and more, uh, you know? But uh, I'm, like I said, every day I wake up, I listen to at least, I'd say safely, at least two complete albums um, to get my morning started. And I try to spend at least one of those albums sitting on the couch, just listening to the record, not doing anything else. But man, I'm not going to lie. It's a struggle. It's a struggle to keep the phone down. It starts beeping and yeah. icons oh, yeah. flashing oh, yeah. and everything else. Yeah. And, oh God, I got to text this person back or I got to do this or I got to do that. And, you know. I'm really trying to make it a point to just like not just to leave it alone, set it off yep. the side, don't look at it, just pet my fucking dog and listen to a record. You know, <laughs> I mean, because listen, at the end, at the end of the day, I could, I could, I could 
like look at my phone and see what jackass like my stuff on Facebook or whatever, or I could really just sit and take in <laughs> amazing sounds of Olivia Newton jaunt and you had that at the ready, voice. didn't you? You had that I proper may ready. Be, I, I may have 47 copies of this scattered around the house so that I can grab one at any point and put it on because you just never know when you're going to need a little magic in your life. All I know is <laughs> when Andrew Daly, all of our mutual friends at, at Guitar World and everything, he he's posting all like the, the records, you know, and you made a comment about doing it. And then I said it would all be Olivia Newton-John, then Ace Von Johnson said something very similar. <laughs> You're taking <laughs> Olivia Newton-John shit from everybody on Twitter. Oh, no, 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 no. I take it as a compliment. Well, <laughs> but everybody knew you well enough. They're like, oh, he's just going to pick Olivia Newton-John records. <laughs> no, 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 no. Listen, if it's a top 10. Not all 10. One. Not there'll all be 10. One in 13 there. or whatever. There'll be, there'll be one in there. Maybe two. So, but... This, <laughs> This weekend, though, when we were doing all the stuff in Columbus, we actually went to a big antiques retro thing at the Columbus uh, State Fairgrounds or whatever. Anyways, one of the places had a record, and I was flipping through it. There was a bunch of Olivia Newton-John stuff, and Tony, it took all my willpower not to start taking pictures and messaging them, like, which one should <laughs> I buy? <laughs> I thought about it. Oh, oh listen, I, can, I, I can came close. Down. I can narrow this down for you real quick. You gotta okay. get this Andrew. You gotta get this Andrew okay. soundtrack. You just have to. All right. Get Greatest Hits Volume Two. Okay. And just just start there. That's that's right. kind of just start with Dana those two. Doing greatest Hits Volume. All right. All right. Volume Two. She has a lot of there. records, man. She got like she huge got a huge catalog. Well, God, I mean, she started off basically doing like a whole country thing, country country yeah. rock, and then it kind of it kind of gradually went up into a little more of a rock thing when she did that uh, that album with a little more love on it, and um, you know, post Greece. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, if you're a Grease fan too, you grab that Grease soundtrack, but that's got a whole bunch of stuff on it, you know. So yeah, not you know, um, it's not Olivia. No, I used no, to no. have that on vinyl. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, to be fair, all the Olivia hits from that movie are on Greatest Hits Volume. 2. Okay, so okay, there you go. See, did we ask you about? Did we talk about Grease too when you were on this? We ball? did. You asked me. I it was you did like your 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 warp speed questions and something about grease too came up and we, we laughed a little bit. Um, but Did you yeah. Watch it yet? No, <laughs> I have not. I you have can't not. come back on here until you've watched grease too. <laughs> and there's going to be a That's free punishment. podcast quiz <laughs> to make sure you watch. Grease. Well, it's been really nice doing your guys' podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's the line. Grease too is the line you will not cross. No, 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 I'm not saying I'm going to cross it. I, you know what? I just, I would love to watch like 10 times more movies than I do. I just yeah. don't find myself having enough time to take in a whole movie. Not as much time as I would like. Or right. I start binging a show and, uh, you know, I could be watching a movie. It's like, oh no, I got to get through three more episodes of the boys tonight. And, you know, that things like that. Yeah. Boys is good. I just finished Generation V, which is like oh. the... Let me tell you about Gen V. So I know what that is. So right. So me and uh, me and my beautiful girlfriend Tiffany, uh, we were we we got a couple of friends. This got this girl Brooke who does a lot of animal rescue with Tiff, and uh, I guess you know by proxy with myself. Um, 
we were having dinner with her and her boyfriend, Rod. Um, Rod is actually a, like a EDM DJ, uh, DJ Rod Yuri, mm-hmm. who every time I see him is wearing like a Def Leppard shirt and, you know, great guy. Him and, him and Brooke surprisingly drove to see me with Kiefer in Knoxville, like three and a half hours from here. Didn't tell me they were coming until they were on their way. And I'm like, I would have put you on the guest list. They're like, oh, no, we bought tickets. Well, great post. Anyways, we go to dinner with them about a week ago. And Rod and I start talking. He just starts, so what shows do you watch? And we start talking something about the, he mentioned something about the boys. And I said, said, yeah. I was like, I love the boys. I said, that show is so ridiculous. I said, and there's, I said, I've got friends. I've got one friend in particular who I didn't think could be offended by anything who saw the first episode of the last season of the boys and literally texted me and said, that's it. I'm out. And (laughs) quit watching it after that. And I know, you know what I'm talking about. I know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The orgy scene. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, the, so, the guy that can shrink himself. Was it the party? Yeah. The party? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That one. Yeah. So mm-hmm. anyways, last yesterday I start watching Gen B, right? And my girlfriend is sitting on the couch and she's working and she, I was like, what do you want to watch? She's like, oh, I got to work. I don't care. Just watch whatever. I'm like, all right. So I put, I put Gen B on and I start watching it. And I get to that second episode and she's it's the one where the, the kid is, I don't want to give anything away, but the, the one kid, like the super kid kills himself and they're trying to figure out what's going on in the basement and all that. And the one who can control people's minds him to say whatever she touches him mm-hmm. tells the one guy to basically. Yeah. Go home everything. Yeah. No, 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 no. Go flay sheet this, this, this lot, this, camera and then this person is going to stick it all the way up your i think she says starfish or something ridiculous like that i'm sitting there watching it and at the end of the episode tiffany who never says anything about this goes oh my god will you please watch something else <laughs> like what like what in the actual fuck and i had actually asked rod rod had told me you got you got to watch gen v if you like the boys and i said yeah well is it kind of a watered down version of the boys is it is is it as crazy? He goes, oh, no, it's not watered down. I go, okay, because no. I thought maybe it was a little more whitewash. He goes, oh, no. And I watched the first episode, and I was like, oh, no, okay, it's absolutely not. That's ridiculous. When the girl so, shrunk herself down for her date, that was you're like, well, this is just yeah. as crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was a lot of control. I will say, I'm the modern state of television now, there is more male nudity than female nudity. Like Gen V, for instance, was a lot of full frontal dudes, not a lot of female stuff. My wife and I just watched Saltburn. It was like no female nudity, but there's like full front. I'm like, things have things flipped, man. It's like I don't. There's a bunch of naked dudes running around, and you know, each yeah. to his or her own. But it's it's shocking. Thanks, Game of Thrones. Um, yeah, <laughs> you started exactly. Now I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Game of Thrones in, helped institute the. Uh, but you know uh, what I mean? Same, like all these yeah. series now, it's just it's naked dudes. Uh, you know, I mean, listen, we've. Uh, I guess to be fair, you know, I'm almost I'm almost fifty. We've uh, it's been lopsided in our favor for most of my life. <laughs> so at this point, so at this girls point, we don't even want to see that, and, man. At this point, it's like it's Tom Selleck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, they say they don't want to see it, but so most girls want to see it. Let's be honest. They're just they're they're just they're just trying to make you feel better. Yeah, my, maybe, <laughs> maybe. 
no, I don't want to see that, honey. <laughs> yeah. Well, you exactly. know, they're all younger than me in better shape. So I get it. I'm not, I'm yeah. not, I have no, listen, <laughs> if that's, it's just a weird switch now that is completely done a 180. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I guess, you know, we, we are living in a world where we're trying to be more all encompassing and more yeah. inclusive in regards to everything. And, you know, if there's going to be balance in all those other places, it's definitely going to spill over in that. So, you know, here, me, here we are. And I mean, it doesn't really phase me, uh, you know, but my girlfriend last night, she was just like, oh, my God, please watch anything else. Like right now, just put on anything. I was like, so you're saying I need to watch the rest of this show by myself. She's like, absolutely. And I was like, okay. It's, so, uh, but, I hope, you know, I hope there's be, a season two. Yeah. But to be fair. Um, she knows that uh, not to ever watch Virgin River or Emily in Paris around me. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the girl shows. Yeah. So, Brian, does Which, your wife? Way, Go ahead. I'm sorry, but by the way, Emily in Paris should be called Emily Does Paris. That girl. Oh, good lord! Around. Oh my god! Oh my god! And she's oh, and she's Phil Collins' daughter. I just found that out today. Who? The girl who plays Emily in Emily in Paris is Phil Collins. Like, do 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 really? do 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 yeah. yeah, it's his daughter. Yeah, yep. had no idea. Huh? Yeah. yeah. And and I heard Tony that the pr the proper pronunciation is Emily in Paris. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I don't I know don't if that's know. true or not. I don't know if it's true or not either. I'm not sure what fan club page that you have that's subscribed what Howard, to. Howard Stern. Howard Stern. Uh -huh. All right. All right. Well, I've never seen it. I've never seen it though. Yeah, I've I've been subjected to it in my peripheral a few times, and uh, yeah, don't don't just don't. Brian, <laughs> I gotta know if your wife watches something girly that you can't stand. She watches all those housewives of whatever show, and I'm like, oh, yeah. and and and, and oh. I asked her, and she goes, well, this is kind of you know like we don't drink or anything, so she's like, this is my lobotomy TV. This is where you oh, just like terrible. cut your brain out. Yeah. And it's like these, all these psycho women just like, but then, you know, she watches, uh, you know, and I'll watch too, like, uh, like all these reality, like Big Brother and then uh, the traitors and trust. What's the traitors? They're in a castle somewhere. I can't remember where, but there's like, like, there's three traitors and the rest of them are called faithfuls and it's all deception and you got to figure out. Who the traitor Sounds is like Game and... of Thrones, Tony. Yeah, but without the floppy leaners. And there's just like little competitions, <laughs> and then like the greatest race. We watch that, and... but yeah, she watches all those housewife shows, and I'm just like, how do you deal with this? Uh, I think you just let but it go, man. My, my lobotomy TV when it was still on was things like Billy the Exterminator and just stupid <laughs> shit like that. <laughs> you know, one of those. I don't know why I'm a sucker for him. I'm sure the level, I mean, all reality shows are not reality. It's right, it's right. stage <laughs> bullshit. And I, and I, I don't generally subject myself to any of it, but if there's any little thing that will divert my attention, like if, if I need like something dumb to watch to kill a Monday and there's just no movie that I'm seeing, or I don't think I've got two hours enough of my life to give for a movie, dumb TV that I'll watch by myself for whatever reason, any of those stupid Netflix car restoration shows, 
Oh, yeah. All those like Rust of Riches and Texas Gold and blah, blah, blah. Just, mm-hmm. It's all the same shit. It's, it's all like, it's all like the counting cars show, but done with a lower budget. And none of it's as good. And I, I'll just sit there and just watch those shows. Like, How come on counting cars, you never actually see them <clears throat> build the car? Really? <laughs> it just cuts to when it's done when they're talking about yeah. it. You know what? Yeah, they don't show a whole lot. There's, there's always other stuff going on. They're always out. They're, they get the car. They start in the car, but then they go looking for other cars. And they come back, <laughs> and all of a sudden, there's the car. It's done. You know? Yeah. So, huh. yeah. So let's pitch this show to Netflix. You know ro- the Robot Wars or whatever they had? I've show seen that. Yeah, yeah. Build. that. Yeah, yeah. Let's do, let's do like a Mad Max-style car show where they build these cars, and they have like a, a demolition derby, like Mad Max-style. Okay, so instead of the robots, like the little real control things, it's full size cars. People can get yes. killed. I yes. might watch that <laughs> if I know there's a threat of mortality. <laughs> it's like it's like okay, instead of steering it with a little remote control, you got to get in that bitch. You're in it. it. Good That's luck. Right? Yeah. yeah exactly. Like Absolutely. you know, flamethrowers and <laughs> and rocket launch. What? Not my probably not rocket launchers, but you know, there's got to be some sort of limiting factor where it's just the carnage of running into each other. You want to see yeah. threat of mortality? Watching these like Alex Honnold free solo, these guys that climb in Yosemite and oh god, without no, a, without a rope. I, get, I, I, I already don't like heights. I'm not going to put it up <laughs> on my 80 inch television. I feel like I'm falling off of a cliff with them. I mean, you know, I mean, obviously they weren't going to like make that if he if he fell, but just even though you know he makes it, it's just it's like. <laughs> I, I'm not afraid of heights, but I don't necessarily like them. And I have a lot of dreams where I'm falling from a height, and it feels like you're falling from a height. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is either. You maybe should talk to somebody about that. Maybe, <laughs> but like your brain, your brain makes it feel like you're actually falling. Some it's a weird. Like, how does my brain? How would my brain know what falling from a great height would be like? To I don't know. Simulate? Um. My my uh, reoccurring let's let's talk about reoccurring nightmares. Let's talk about so, our dreams. <laughs> yeah, my okay. So, little, little known fact about me. Here's a little a little torted bit. I when I started playing with Tom, uh, upon the advice of other people who knew this about me that also toured, um, you know, as far as the tour bus, had given me this advice beforehand, and and I learned. I went to Tom. I was like, hey man. Uh, not trying to be a diva, but there's just one thing I got a request. And he goes, what's that? I said, I need a middle bunk. And he goes, what? And I go, I got to have a middle bunk. I have night terrors. And the best mm-hmm. chance I have of not having night terrors on that moving bus is if I'm in a middle bunk because the bottom bunks, two bunks, everybody knows you got three bunks stacked on each other. There's the bottom, the middle, and the top. And you know, and a full bus is 12 bunks. And, you know, we roll one bus, you know, it's five piece band, two female background singers on top of that. And then a four, four crew guys, that's 11 bunks right there. You know, if you have a second driver for long trips, there's your 12. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I just told him, I was like, I need a middle bunk because you don't want me to wake up having night terrors. Um, and I think a few people in the band were like, what? Oh, whatever. He's full of shit, blah, blah. And then it did happen a couple of times. And they had to wake me up. And they're like, oh, shit. Like, Billy, our bass player, sleeps across from me. He's had to reach over and shape me awake a couple times. Now, that being said, it hasn't happened in a few years. Basically, I don't think it's happened since my divorce. I don't know. 
what that I'm not I'm not saying that to, to slag my ex. I really, but I think that's about. I don't think it's happened since then. But to be fair, I also had him before we got married. Um, but what it is, the dream is I would wake up pinned, like I'd been in a car wreck and I couldn't move or get out and I was stuck. And huh. so, or I wouldn't wake up that way. I mean, I'd be having the night terrors, and that that would be the terror. And so I would start. I'll start flailing like this, like just, and you know, I actually tore my fingernail off my finger one time uh, in bed with my ex. I woke up in the middle of the night having a night terror and I jumped straight up in the air swinging in bed and my fingernail caught the stucco ceiling and ripped right off my finger. Um, That's, you know, it was like that. So that that's always been kind of my reoccurring, not the falling thing. That was, that was the night terror one and the other nightmare that I would have reoccurring and I've had I've had this one more times than I can count. And it's always I'm sure it's all stress related. But it oh was sure, would, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I I would wake up one morning and I'd be getting ready to graduate college, and I would realize that there was a class I forgot to go to for the entire year, and I wasn't going to graduate. I had that one? Oh yeah, I yeah, had yep, that one. Yep. Brian has too. It looks yep. like yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And like literally, I'm getting ready to graduate. What is that? To graduate. I have no idea what that is. And then. You know, like I've got family there, everybody else. Oh, congratulations, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, oh my God, I forgot to go to this fucking history yeah. class all semester. And yeah. got enough. And, you know, yeah. yeah I forget about it the last day. Yeah, that's that's totally like, yeah, I have a two where I, yeah. I, I don't go to the class on purpose. <laughs> <It's Yeah>. like, <laughs> so I, I understand why not the top bunk, but why not the lowest one? It's the bumpiest. Oh, okay. You're right about the wheels. It's oh, okay. beating, oh, beating under the most, okay. and the top one sways more. You feel the sway of the bus more, especially oh, okay. if it's windy or there's a lot of curves and stuff like that. The middle's just the most stable in, oh, in regard to that. Right on. So, so yeah. What's it say about the people if they prefer a top or bottom bunk? I don't know if anybody prefers a top or bottom bunk. I think okay. I think if everybody I think if everybody could have a middle bunk, they would. Um, I think, you know, I think, I think if the, if the bottom one's taken, if the middle one's taken away, I think most people, if the bumps aren't going to bother them, they're just going to stay towards the bottom because that one is more stable and it doesn't do this. That top one though, it does, it swings back and forth and uh, you know, you can feel that. So knock on wood, I've never been on the bus with anybody who's ever flown out of it, but uh, that would (laughs) fucking hurt. That would hurt if it did. (laughs) Dear God. So I would break something. My reoccurring one is I'm like trying to cast out demons and I'm like challenging the devil to come on, do all fucking kick your ass. You know, so, like, <laughs> really? Yeah. And like, but, but then like I can taste like a kerosene type taste. Are you breathing fire? No, I, I don't know. But, I'm not, I'm, but then I'll, I'll, I'll wake myself up like screaming. Wow. Wow. Well, at least, so, at least you're slaying. At least you're slaying demons. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty. <laughs> trying metal, to, to be honest with you, that's pretty heavy metal right there, uh, Brian. Well, I almost wonder since you're like in a customer forward service industry industry type, from the the response of like having to deal with people all day long. Yeah, it could be. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know either. Yeah, I don't know. I, Casting out demons, trying to cast out demons. It's always like in the like a bottom of a house bottom floor and like a vent that's going down into like 
the cellar and I can see flames and shit. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> All right. It's, you know, the flames in the cellar, that's a little reminiscent of Freddy Krueger. Yeah, a little bit. That's, yeah. that's, I mean, as long as it doesn't freak you out, that's pretty cool, though. It's, yeah, I just, it's better I just than like forgetting to go to class. Yeah, I like that in your, I like that in your dreams, you're kicking ass. Yeah. Or trying to. Yeah. <laughs> you're, 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 Have you you're guys ever had dreams where you're trying to talk and you can't or trying to run away and you can't move? See, I can't fight people in my dreams because I'll like swing as hard as I can and it's like this. And it just doesn't move. Yeah. Tony, for, no. <laughs> I'll say that again. Like, like I, I can't. I, if I'm trying to fight ahead. someone, like I'll swing really hard, but then it always lands like this. Like it's super like, slow motion. I can't. <laughs> were, were, okay, so so ask that question again. What were you saying? Do I ever what? Do you ever have dreams where you can't talk? Either- can't talk or you can't run or move quickly away from something. I've had dreams where I couldn't run away from something as fast uh, as, you know, like I feel like I should be moving faster than I am. Yeah. And you just can't um, move. Yeah. The other thing it makes me think of too is <laughs> I, it's funny. I, we're talking about this. I'm like, Oh yeah. I've had dreams about like you dream about girls and like, you're like about to hook up and you almost get there and then you wake up like it never you know, it's like you never ever get there you know, you're like you're like that close all the time it's like oh i'm just about to or we're just about to and then you're awake oh yeah i always Sucks. remember i'm married and, and, it, and then i wake up yeah yeah well listen i can't, be doing, this. Dreams, I can't be doing this <laughs> when i when i have these dreams obviously it's it's always about the person i'm with at the time um yeah yes yes yes, always same same with you yes yes (laughs) yes yes, correct we appreciate that absolutely no but i i I can think about times where i've had those dreams in my life and it's just like wait what the i know you know it's you know the funny thing is is three of us here all different backgrounds do different things for a living but we have the same thematic type of dreams yeah well you know, I'm sure, and I'm sure if one of us uh, was a psych major and I'm only a minor, um, we'd be able to go, oh, well, this means that, and this means this, and this, you know. I mean, it's a stressor, like you said. You're stressed about something particular, and that's creating that response. I don't yeah. know what that yeah. what that is. It's just that college one where you forget to go to a class or turn stuff in. Everybody has. That is just such a weirdly specific thing that everybody has. It really is. And I, you know, listen, if I had to guess, I think there's times in my life where, you know, maybe I feel like I don't have enough time to get everything done that I need to get done. Yeah. Like there's just not enough hours in the day. And if I'm going to have that nightmare, that's going to be usually the, you know, what's going to set it up is me just kind of being in that state, you know, and as far as the, the being, you know, pinned thing. You know, I, I, I will say, I think that has more to do with just the general stress of life. Uh, mm-hmm. And like, like maybe you feel trapped by something, you know, there was a point in my life, especially after I was sick, where I definitely felt like I was trapped by debt. You know, you've got debt hanging over you. Yeah. That's a shitty, low key nagging stress to always have on you. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't realize how much it took out of me 
until I got out of debt. Um, and you're and then, sick, uh, and it's that stress, and you throw that on like that's yeah. so crazy. That's so bullshit. It is. It is. You know. Um, but yeah, it's just this low key, like this constant. You know, it's just it just drags you down, and you don't realize it's even doing it um, until it's gone, and then you feel like this huge weight's been lifted off your shoulder. You know, and mm-hmm. and that's you know, and and to be fair, uh, you know, I made the joke. Not even a joke. I you know just said it. Kind of stopped after I got divorced. Um, you know, when I was sick, some of that debt carried with me through a good bit of my marriage because it happened really early in my marriage. And uh, one of the great investments that I or we made, you know, when we were married, was we bought a house in East Nashville, which obviously I told you guys about last time we were on the mm-hmm. podcast because mm-hmm. we were talking about you know obviously that led to the oddly jogging story um but uh you know i bought a house in east nashville in 2007 when everybody was like why are you buying a house in east nashville that's the fucking hood you're gonna get yourself killed and my real estate agent was like man i'm telling you buy it's a smart investment buy over there you don't have kids you don't have to worry about the school system just yet buy over there and he had just bought a house over there six eight months prior so i did and as a result, we had a mountain of equity in that house when we did split and we sold it. And when we paid off all the debt and went on with our lives, I mean, yeah, divorce sucks. It was terrible. It's the worst thing I've ever been through in my life. But when we paid off all the debt and we went on with our lives, you know, there was this huge sense of relief and this weight lifted off my shoulders because all of a sudden that debt wasn't just hanging out there. And I was living well within my means for the first time in a long time. You know, uh, and, uh, you know, and from that point on that knock on wood, that particular nightmare kind of, you know, went away. So, yeah. Being, being an adult's great. Isn't it awesome? <laughs> All these responsibilities and, you know, stress constantly. And stress and, yeah, I can't wait to fix my car again. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> you know, getting ready, getting, ready to, getting ready to go get a, go pay, I don't know how many thousands of dollars for a dental for one of the dogs, because I'm pretty sure uh, he's got like some sort of a fucking tooth infection right now. Yeah. That's going to be awesome. Pull out three teeth. So you pay, you know, <laughs> from the go under and there's three no, teeth that you extracted. No, and... no, he's a chihuahua. I'll be surprised if he comes back with any teeth. So <laughs> they have, they have terrible teeth and it's like, if you don't clean them every six months, they just, anyways, that's, you know, whole other thing, you know, adopt a chihuahua with a heart murmur and you know, it's coming. So, Anyway, all right, I'm gonna steer us into music again. Uh, we've been asking people, <laughs> we've been asking our guests here in the last month or whatever, but uh, have you heard the new Black Crow song? And if so, what do you think? Yes, uh, I need to hear it a few more times. It sounds all right. Yeah, um, it's not, uh, I don't know. I mean, I feel like everybody. I feel like everybody always, you know, when you have a band like the Black Crows uh, with that story to the history, I feel like we all have a sweet spot in their catalog. Mm-hmm. It's just where they struck the biggest chord with us. And I think for me and most people that are my age, which is, you know, I'm 49, I feel like for me, it's like right around Southern Harmony and Amorca. Mm-hmm. Like those are yep. kind of my yep. bookended yep. records back to back, you know. Um, I, you know, 
I heard descending the other day and it still makes the hair stand up on the back of my yeah. neck yep. every time I hear it, you know? So it's hard, I think, to really appreciate when a band like the Crows puts out new music because I'm so sentimental about those records mm-hmm. yep. to hear this one, to hear this one song. Um, but what I do want to do is I want to hear, I want to hear the whole album. Like I, yep. I want to hear, I want to hear that song in the body of work. Uh, you know, cause I think I'll have, I'll be able to formulate much more of an opinion about it. You know, there's times where I, there's been times in my life where I've been worried that I've gotten old enough that I'm, I've grown too cynical about music and I'm just going to be one of those guys. I, I'm, scared i'm trained to one of those guys that's going to be like well they already did all their best stuff and they're never going to do anything that good again blah 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 (laughs) luckily in the last year or so there's been a couple records that have come out that have pulled me away from that edge of the cliff and made me go okay you're not there you're good they just made an amazing album and you're recognizing it i think great example of that we we touched on them for a minute a while ago but man i don't know if you guys were ever marvelous three fans yeah, like that the, the, yeah, that record that came out in the fall is great. It's fantastic. Um, but when I heard the singles, I I went, that's all right. It's pretty good. But when I heard them in the context of the whole record, I went, holy shit, they made a great album. You know, and I feel like that could be the case with this new Crows tape. You know, I want to hear the whole record. I want to hear everything mm-hmm. that's happened. I want to hear all that. I want I want the whole musical journey, not just the the quick story. You know, so. Ask me when that record comes out. I'll be, okay. I'll, I'll be, I'll, I'll be aligned to buy it. Like that's like the average response that everybody kind of feels about there. It's, yeah. it's, and, um, encouraging. I think the drums are very generic, very vanilla. Maybe they asked him to do that. I don't know, but you know, good hook. Encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, that original rhythm section, the force. Yeah. Mark. Ford at the height of his powers in that band it was a force. Steve Gorman, yeah. Eddie Harsh, come on, man! Like, yeah, dude. I mean, Ed, baddest you know, dudes on the planet. Yeah, you know, um, that's you know, that's that's tough. You, had, you know, it's those brothers trying to make a go of it without any of those other guys from that classic lineup. Um, you know, I I understand. You know, sometimes you need fresh blood to shake things up and feel good about what you're doing again or to put yourself in the right headspace. And I'm sure the guys that aren't in the band anymore would tell you, you know, the same thing, but um, you know, yeah, I want, I, I want to see what they do. You know, yeah, another right. great example of that is I'm blown away by this new green day record. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about that. I, have you guys listened to that at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a couple yeah, I mean, times. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it reminded me of how great that band is. And that I feel like their secret sauce is when they work with Rob Cavallo you know, and I think it's the best record they made since American Idiot, you know. They've so, evolved, man. like, you know, Dookie, which is really the one that set them apart, was still that punk, oh, punk yeah. pop thing. This new record's more, it's like a rock record, just a rock. Well, it's not like that pop, punk stuff. Did you did you get into the American Idiot album? Yeah, I, yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, that album to me was like, it was almost like, they retired the old band and brought out the new band. Yeah. It was, it was a trip. Cause I didn't expect, I, I was having this conversation with somebody maybe yesterday, or the day before I, I mean, I, Dookie was what it was. It was, you know, one classic punky jam after another, mm-hmm. oh, you know, and then they followed up with insomniac and, 
you know, it's like every record they did after that had great songs, but none of them felt as complete as that first big album. And so when they came out with American Idiot, it was like, wait a minute, the production just jumped up about nine rungs and they were more, it was almost more of an arena rock thing than a punk yeah. thing. Added a second and, guitar player, keys. Yeah, the songs got way more involved. Uh, you know, it reminded me a little bit of what the Wild Hearts were doing as far as some of the different riff changes and the lengths of the songs and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. It was way more musically complex. And they wrote these amazing songs. And I remember I heard American Idiot all the way through the first couple of times and was like, I can't believe how great this band, how many bands start off on a trajectory like Green Day where they're like this this punk, scrappy punk band who puts out a couple indie records, has Dookie, then has like three more albums after that, I think, two, two three more records after that. And really are kind of seen, they, they look like they're at what might be the end of their run, their initial big run, you know, the hits have kind of petered out or been less and less every record. And then they come out of the gates and make arguably the best record they've ever made, like six albums in. Like mm -hmm. nobody does that. That's crazy. So for them to be able to do that and build on their success, you know, and they continue to make records that always have solid songs on them, but then they put out this new record and it's, I'm not saying it's American Idiot, but man, it's got a lot of great songs on it and the production's great. It, and you got to listen to the whole record at one time too, a couple of times to, to get Absolutely. it to build on it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. And I find myself gravitating more towards those deeper cuts on the second side, the more I listen to it. You know, there's some just catchy tunes on there like Corvette Summer, it's Corvette Summer, Living in the 20s. It's, you know, there's some great stuff on there that are just attitude rockers, you know. Yeah, I don't even know. You can't really define the type of music they're doing right now. They're just doing their own thing. Yeah, just big, just big, loud anthem rock, you know. Um, they sorry. were on Stern last week or two weeks ago, and they played some of the stuff live. They're going to do Dookie and American Idiot in the full on this upcoming summer tour. I know. With some of the new stuff. That's that I I might be down for that, to be honest with you. I can go watch that show. I go watch that show in a heartbeat. I mean, if you think about it, Dookie's going to take him 30 minutes to play. Yeah. Yeah. Amer yeah. American Idiot's going to take him a little over an hour to play. Yep. You know, um, and then they'll bust out another 45 minutes of hits and be off the stage. Half, yeah. half hour hits, two, three new tunes, done. That's crazy. Like you always hear about one band, a band doing one album like the Black Crows recently in their entirety. I don't think I've ever heard of a band going out and playing two records in their entirety on tour. Not in one sitting, you know. Uh, I remember like when Cheap Trick did, they did some shows for when they reissued the in the early 2000s for when they reissued the first few records remastered. And I think they did a three night stand at the Greek and they did the whole first record one night, the whole second record, the next, the whole third record, the next, you know, and then hits sprinkled around that. Um, I remember Weezer did some shows at the Ryman where they did, they did all the blue album one night, all of Pinkerton one night and all of the green album the next night after that. Huh. And people lost their mind. People lost their yeah. minds over those shows, you know? So well, but I've never heard of a Weezer fan. You're buying tickets for every night. That's kind of cool. Absolutely. And I've, I've never heard of, uh, I've never heard of bands doing two whole albums in one night. You know, yeah, that, right, nuts. it's crazy. So, I mean, you know, you know what? If they can do it, they're in shape. They've got the endurance. Go fucking do it. That's awesome.
you know, Green Day is taking a lot of shit for people. I know punk music is not always everybody's, but real great musicians, you know, that rhythm section there, the, the bass and drums, man, like those, those, oh, are, those are top guys. Those are, that's, they're no joke. Um, I've yeah. got a good friend. I, I, one of my best friends is a guy named Reed who does pyro and he's been doing pyro for some of the biggest bands on earth for years. Everybody from Metallica to Taylor Swift, you know, um, and he's therefore seen, you know, almost every show you can imagine. And we we're having a conversation one day and he talked about um, a band. He talked about a tour he saw. Uh, it was a co-headline tour. And I won't mention who the other band was just because I don't want to piss anybody off. But he said that it was supposed to be a co-headline tour and Green Day was one of the bands and they were supposed to flip-flop. And um, after the first, I think the first night it was Green Day, the next night it was the other band, the headline. The night after that, it was Green Day. And after that first time that that other band tried to go on after Green Day, they went to Green Day afterwards and said, can you guys just go ahead and close the show every night? Because they didn't want to go on after them. Yeah. And and Reed said, he goes, that is one band that if you know what's good for you, you don't want to follow them. He goes, I'm not even the biggest Green Day fan in the world. He said, but dear God, you don't want to play after those guys. So, and I, I saw I saw him once. I've seen him. I saw him at Bridgestone here on that 20th century breakdown tour, the album after American Idiot. Mm -hmm. And they were fantastic. So they played for two Never hours. Seen plus. Never seen them live, but you know. Nope. I would do yeah, it. Brian, Brian yeah. where are you yeah, on yeah. Green Day? Brian, Brian's probably not a Green well, Day guy. Well, my first question is, how come I don't know who Marvelous 3 is? I'm feeling uh -huh. embarrassed. Oh, no, 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 no. And I'll definitely check so, them out. I'm just wondering why. So Marvelous 3, you know who Butch Walker is? Yeah. That's where Butch came from. Okay. Well, okay, let's backtrack even further than that. Do you remember the 80s rock band South Gang? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we may have talked about this before, yeah. So South Gang was Butch's first band that got signed. He was a guitar mm -hmm. player in South Gang. Uh, South Gang, after they lost their deal, presumably, and um, they went on to form another band called Floyd's Funk Revival, which then just shortened their name to the Floyds. And basically it was the three, it, it was uh, Butch, Jace, and Slug, from South Gang, and then this girl, I think her name was Christina, that was a singer, and they did a couple albums uh, independently. And then I believe, if I know the story correctly, Jace and Christina became an item, and Christina got pregnant, and she wanted to get off the road. And so at that point, Butch, the Floyds broke up, and Butch kind of started working on a solo record, and um. It was very kind of influenced by like, and Butch has got a ridiculous voice. And so it was very kind of influenced by uh, Costello and Billy Joel, but you know, with some punk pop leanings and rock and Butch is a shit hot guitar player too. And they start, he started making this record and then Jace, the bass player heard it. It was like, man, I want to be a part of this band. But I think Slug came back into the full band too. So basically it was all the musicians of South Gang minus that original singer. And they, started calling themselves the marvelous three and they had a single they started working on the second record and recording it and they had the single they put out called freak of the week mm -hmm. and they they couldn't get arrested like no label wanted to touch them and then leslie fram at 99x in atlanta heard freak of the week 
and she put it in a regular rotation there and that that song exploded and they didn't have an album done they didn't have a record deal in place nothing and so they got signed and then and i think they were on electra and they got a big deal they made this album called hey album and by the time it came out freak of the week had kind of already run its cycle and the label didn't know what to do with them and they didn't really push another single like they should have. And so they decided to move on to the next record. And so they made the second album called Ready, Sex, Go. And it's the total arena rock album. And um, people at the label changed and moved on. The people that signed them weren't there anymore. They didn't know what to do with it. And, you know, word on the street was L.A. Reid actually wanted to buy that record from the label and put it out himself because he loved it. And they wouldn't sell it to him, but they wouldn't mm. really push it. So they put the record out. And it died on the vine and they eventually broke up. And then Butch went on to have this big producer career and then build this giant solo career. Or I say giant, but I mean, you know, theater act in a lot of places. And yeah, amazing reputation. He's like the best front man. One of the best front men I've ever seen that's not crazy internationally known. I mean, he's an insane singer. He's an insane guitar player. He's an insane front man, just great showman. Checks every conceivable box known to man. Um, and so he made these solo records and all this stuff, but last year they just all of a sudden he wiped his Instagram clean and put up just a photo of the Marvelous Three and everybody lost their minds like, oh my God, are they about to do something? And so they went away a club band and they come back and all of a sudden they announce they're going to do a show at the Tabernacle and they put the tickets on sale and they sold out in minutes. So they announced a second night and those sold out in minutes. So they announced a third night and those sold out in minutes and they added two more shows in Chicago and those sold out, sold out immediately too. And then they dropped a whole new album before the shows even happened. It was as good as any record they'd ever made. And, uh, you know, it, the shows were really amazing to see. They played for almost three hours. The production was incredible, um, you know, and uh, it was just really great to see. But yeah, if you like really good active rock, power pop power like pop check, yeah yeah you know kind of checks the cheap trick and you know elvis costello boxes but with you know heavy guitars and stuff like that you should absolutely check them out cool big hooks big hooks on the huge album. yeah all all the hooks more hooks than a tackle box yeah. no south gang was from atlanta yeah from uh outside of atlanta i forget what town. jason did, did we talk about them during the georgia christmas special someone else was talking about them was it the guys from rare birds or one for the road i, I don't remember. know if it was andrew i think it feels like something andrew would have brought up because that would have been about the right time you've yeah. been right the right, right age right. yeah yeah um i mean they had like two albums i think that came out i think about charisma or some label like that i'm trying to remember what label they were on um I saw, i've seen butch walker open up for ryan adams years ago when ryan adams was doing a solo acoustic theater tour when he was going through all the ear and whatever thing butch walker was the opening act just him and a guitar or whatever was amazing yeah yeah butch is like i said ridiculous um you know and he's a really good dude uh you know he's he, he's uh he's always always been super sweet to me um and uh you know i i feel like he's you know had a lot of success and been through just what i know of butch you know, the conversations we've had, I feel like he's, you know, had a lot of success, had his head in the clouds a few times here and there and done a really great job of uh, recentering himself and grounding himself and, and being a good, 
um, just kind of a good role model for other up and coming artists. Um, I think his value is a producer now with a lot of acts that he works with probably goes beyond just helping them with their songwriting and their craft and extends into, you know, maybe helping mold them a little bit and get them ready to hopefully dodge some of the pitfalls that they're going to encounter as their career progresses because he's seen them all and, uh, and navigated some of them and fallen all the way into the bottom of others and have to climb out. So that's, that's my take on Butch. Mm-hmm. He may disagree with me, but <laughs> I, 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 I think that's from Check my, him from out, my Brian. point. Yeah. You know, it's a nice change of pace from all the stuff we have to listen to for the show. Like, you know, we love blues and Southern rock, but it's, it's nice to have, get some stuff outside of the, the, you know, the orbit of our show. With with Green Day, the like the American Idiot stuff that I, I'm just familiar with, I'm was that was a lot more interesting to me than their earliest stuff that we've yeah. seen on MTV. It's more mature, yeah. I thought. And... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember I remember being in a van in the band I was in uh, with a guy uh, when I moved to Atlanta. This is or when I moved to Nashville. I'm sorry, this band Bob Shell Crush. I was in, and we're going down the road. The band band had to do a gig in Denny. Uh, the singer and guitar player, or I'm sorry, a guitar player, backup singer. He was driving, I'm riding shotgun. He's playing the tunes, it's his van. And uh, I pulled that CD. I was like, you should check this out. He goes, oh man, I don't want to listen to that shit. So he already said, and I said, I said, I told you, man, you're going to be surprised. Like, all right, whatever, dude. He throws it in with total fucking attitude about it. <laughs> it gets, it gets, about 10, 15 minutes into it. And he, I see him over there just sh- start shaking his head and doing this. I look over at him. He goes, fuck, it's actually good. Like that was his, <laughs> was his reaction. <laughs> he said it just like that. He was fuck. He was just he was like, he was mad. It was, it was good. It was, it was like without argument. Good. You know, he couldn't, he, he couldn't, he couldn't throw any blockades up at it. So, you know, uh, Basket Case is going to be one of those songs too that just lives forever. It is such a good song. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, so many tunes on that. Yeah, man. Have you covered? Have you ever covered a Green Day song? I'm sure in college. I know in college I did. Yeah, I know in college I did. I played in cover bands in college, and that was right. I I I mean, I graduated high school in '92, so that gives you an idea. Yeah. See, I'm sure. I'm sure I played basket case. I'm sure I played when I come around. Yeah. You know, um, what's the other one? The, uh, the first hit, the, the, uh, the motivation, that song. Yeah. Yeah. Um, long view, long view. Yeah. Long view. That was it. Yeah. 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 What a great baseline where they had to bleep out the masturbation, you know, because, you know, we've gone from Tony and Brian, 1992 three to bleeping out masturbation to full frontal nudity on on the regular on tv yeah there you go there you go yeah show it all let it swing guys it's amazing what 30 years of culture will do it's like you can't sing masturbation now you can show schlongs absolutely absolutely. i know uh billy joe armstrong has that signature epiphone les ball yeah yeah, the junior Junior. yeah yeah yep 
Yeah. You can you can get the Gibson one for about a thousand dollars more than you can the, the regular Gibson Les Paul Jr. right now, the Billy Joe Armstrong version. Are they are they are they are they still making a USA Billy Joe Armstrong? I don't they do. Think, They've got an Epi they do and still? a Gibson. Mm-hmm. They're making there's, a Gibson again. Yeah, there's a white one and it has like the pink uh uh interior on the sh- on the case and i think it's or leopard skin or something like it's, yeah, leopard skin i think it's leopard skin yeah, yeah it's well like sweetwater and guitar center both still offer them because i'm in the market i'm looking for a les paul jr but i want to find a good quality used one tobacco purse preferably or black whatever but anytime i search for them those things still come up and you can buy them new both the epi and the gibson yeah yeah man that dude single-handedly drove up the price of uh, Les Paul Juniors for a minute because he would walk into he, like when they were on tour for American Idiot and for that tour afterwards, he was so like that was when he really latched onto that guitar and he was known for walking into every guitar center and serious guitar store in any given city he walked into. He just walked in and buy all the juniors they had. Huh. You know, I've heard he's got literally several, I've heard, I've heard anywhere from three to five hundred Les Paul Juniors. Just wow, boom, 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 just tons of them. You know, I mean, what do you do with that many guitars? Like you just have to store them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember when he started doing that. You could pick up a Junior for. I mean, you could pick up a, you could pick up a Cherry Junior for or Tobacco Burst for, I don't know, three thousand, thirty five hundred, four thousand for a really good example. TV Yellow maybe five thousand. Um, and by the time that was over with, like in the span of a year and a half, two years, he drove that market up to where juniors got up over 10, 15, 10 grand, 15 grand for a TVLO. They came back down at one point when the economy crashed and, um, they came way back down and now they're really climbing up again. I mean, TVLO junior, a good straight TVLO junior will fetch almost 20 grand now, or maybe 20 grand, you know? And, uh, a cherry one is, you know, anywhere from 10 to 14, depending on the condition. Right. Man, I do not yeah. want a vintage, you know. I just want a good worked-in player that I can play on stage without worrying about a $10,000 guitar. <laughs> Man, I've got I've got a couple I've got a couple vintage guitars. Um, I've got a real problem with gold tops, and by that I mean I have a lot of gold or gold mm-hmm, top guitars. Mm-hmm. And a couple of those are 70s deluxes. One's a 71, one's a 76. Is your 335 uh, gold top too? I have two of them that are gold. Okay. And they're all gold top gold, top back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, so, I mean, those those old ones, they're cool and they've got a thing, but they're also players. I mean, listen, the 71 I bought, it's my first Les Paul I ever owned. It had changed pickups. It had been changed to P90s already and the headstock had already been repaired. I still got that and I take it on every tour. I played that. When you saw me with Brother Kane, that one with the P90s and the pinup girl yeah. one, I played probably yeah. for half a set or more. That's that guitar. It's the first Les Paul I ever owned. Um, and then I've got a 76 with the original minis in it. It has changed tuners, but I bought that guitar from Damon. And he actually used that guitar on the Seeds record. Oh. So, um, and I saw it and he was thinking about selling it. That's like, I want that guitar, you know, and uh, I'll take it out and play it every once in a while, but it weighs, you know, like 10 pounds. And yeah. it's a bit of a brick and the neck's kind of skinny and it's a little tougher to play, but. You know, there's certain things I could plug it, plug it in when I'm playing with Brother Kane, and I can play it on those and go, this literally sounds like it's probably on that track, you know, so which is cool. Um, and it's certainly got a thing. Those mini humbuckers kind of have a 
somewhere between a telly and a full-size humbucker sound, you know, and I love that. I call it the shortcut to Led Zeppelin. Yeah, because I, I noticed you had, I don't know if that's like the 70s style when you got the mini hums or whatever they're called, like the mini yeah. humbuckers. When, when you saw me, I had the one with the P90s in it. Okay. Uh, the big gotcha. stuff. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't take the one with the minis out in this last tour. All the, all the VIP, not the VIP seats, the reserve seatings that the thing were already filled up. So we had to be schlubs at general mission and stand in the back. That's bullshit. If I, if I would have known, I would have put my fist down. I didn't know these things. Yeah, well, you know, I don't make I don't make any demands. Charlie Starr yelled at me in front of my wife for paying for a ticket to see the Blackberry Smoke in Florida a couple months ago. He's like, "No, you don't buy tickets." Aww. Okay, Charlie. Okay, <laughs> you don't do that. Whatever. Okay? okay, whatever you say. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that club was was really a cool club, the King of Clubs. I have noticed though, the first time I went to a show there in front of the stage was the general admission seating. And then they had the section in the middle of the venue. That was like the reserve seating with the fold out chairs. Every time I've gone back, including the brother Kane show is like that area up front is now all the folding chairs and everything. And people just sit down the whole time too, for a lot of those shows. I'm like, you're by the stage. And like a lot of people are just sitting down. And I, I hate chairs at shows. Yeah. I, it's you know it's tough i i i I love a dirty hot sweaty club um you know it just it it depends on the mood it depends on the night i mean sometimes you walk out on stage and you know you're in a theater and it's all seats and people just jump up out of their seats and they're up right um that's what you want if you're going to have seats i just like it when the option to sit is not even there and i don't have to worry about it Right, because there's you gotta have worse. some like handicap or whatever reserved for people who yeah, can't because, stand yeah, or whatever. Of That's course, cool. of course. But man, there's nothing. There's there's nothing nothing more deflated than walking out on stage and you're no. 20, 30 minutes into busting your ass and you got some guy sitting there like this. Yeah, like, and you pay extra for those. He's like, he's like, like he's looking at you like impress me. You know, he looks bored out of his mind. This chick sitting there, she's on her phone. She's not even looking at you. You know, it's. It is what it is, you know. So I can't believe it. That show though is like um, Orianthe came out like at eleven o'clock. I was like, "Oh my god, oh my god, this is too late for me. I'm so old." <laughs> I get it. I get it. I get it. Trust me. Well, so we had to be up at four the next day because we were flying to Florida to see Blackberry Smoke, the one where Charlie yelled at me, and and also see my parents. It was my dad's birthday, and like I was like. Looking, I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> what time is this going to be over? It's so late. I'm so old. How how long of a set did those guys play? She played like an hour, a little over an hour. Oh, not, not, was, was over just, not 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 about Blackberry Smoke. Yeah. Oh, two and a half hours, two hours. So they're always yeah. they're always like they always play a shit ton. They're great. Yeah, yeah. I figured they they seem like a band that would stretch out. They do, right? And I mean, they give you your money's worth that they play. They mm-hmm. never play less than two hours. And it was, uh, yeah, it was cool. It was hot as shit. And at least four people passed out. I think they overdrank and it was so hot and muggy. Just, but always a great show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. By reputation alone. I know that. So good That's dudes, awesome. too. Yeah. Brian, yeah. 
Should we bring this? I got to go to go work tomorrow. I got to go sleep. We can go to sleep. <laughs> we Tony, we have too much fun talking to you is the problem. Hey, man. Same. Same to you guys. I agree. 200%. I got it. I got it. We're going to do two lightning round questions, Brian. Is that okay? Yeah, for sure. You give me, give me, right. give me five. I don't care. Whatever. Okay. So the, the new thing we're asking people about is Pop-Tart. What's the greatest flavor of Pop-Tarts? Um, Chocolate. Mm-hmm. Like like chocolate chocolate or like s'mores yeah. chocolate or no, chocolate I, just, fudge? Just the chocolate fudge. That's the one. Chocolate fudge. Yeah. Okay. Chocolate fudge. Oh. Man. Frosted or unfrosted? Those are probably all frosted, aren't they? Fro- they're all, those are all frosted. Yeah. Okay. Now, to, be fair, peanut butter. to be fair, I haven't, had a, I haven't had a top tart in 35 years. I haven't either, but we've but all three of us at some point have eaten pop tarts and probably more uh, pop tarts than we Brian, I think you still had some because yeah, you yeah. Who were we talking to? And then I <laughs> was it, it was Sammy? Adam. No, it was, was Adam. It Adam? Was Adam, it Adam Hamilton. Okay. Adam yeah. Hamilton. Okay. <laughs> all right. I love Adam. Make- love Adam, by the way, too. Dude, he well, he's another guy kind of like this, the hang with Higby. We did checking in with Adam Hamilton because he is a dude that was just fun to just to talk to that we yeah. wanted to have back on. So we super, spoke about super. new wave music. Yeah, I could see that. Didn't he? He just did the new um Missing Oh my Persons. god. Yes. Yes. Yep. I just because I listened to I listened to that Spring Session M album probably once a month. So uh yeah, that's awesome. But yeah, he also played yeah. played drums and produced those last couple of LA Guns records. And uh, he's a monster on the drums, man. He is. He's a, he's a he's a super talented guy. Um, and I'll to be to be fair, I met him through friends, and my girlfriend has known him and his wife for decades. Oh, really? Okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She lived out in LA, and you know, she they met kind of they met at a show like he was playing. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so uh, I think my girlfriend was there when they met. Oh really? So, yep, yep. So, anyways, it's uh, yeah. So I, I know him through that, and man, just what a great dude. Anyways, I'm he's sorry, cool... I'm interrupting. I'm no, interrupting no, no, no. He's a cool dude. Brian and I love him. Yeah. Like guys that we'll talk to all the time. We have a handful of them. You and Adam are definitely in that category. Oh, oh, thank you. I feel honored. That's good company. Well, I'm hoping to get one of those folding seats next time you fucking play a show around here, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> if I. <laughs> If I have any say, I'm gonna walk up. To, I'm gonna walk up and be like Damon Johnson. You make sure that my boys and all things blues and Southern Rock get some folding fucking seats. <laughs> all right, peanut butter and jelly. What jelly are you throwing on the sandwich? Oh, there's your Man. doggy. Wait. Oh, oh. I was like, you there's said Ellie, that. not your dog. Brian's I started looking around going. I started looking around going. Did one of my dogs get down here? <laughs> She's like, "When are you um, gonna be done, Dad? I need to go outside." Exactly. <laughs> totally. Uh, what's my What's my jelly? Yeah, what's your go to jelly? Just straight up uh, Smucker's grape jelly. That's grape, it. The, the I'm a great grape guy. Classic. Yes, grape, and I, I love um, either chunky peanut butter or uh, the honey peanut butter. Oh yeah, honey. That's, all, that's honey. solid. Brian, are you a crunchy or creamy peanut butter guy? Creamy. Creamy. Yeah. What about your jelly of choice? Probably whatever grape. Grape. Okay. He knows. Right. He knows what's up. All right. <laughs> it's a what classic. Kind of, what kind of bread are we using? Are we using white wheat, sourdough? What are we doing? 
I'm 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 doing white, but I'm doing I'm doing the Sara Lee Artesian. <laughs> that's Lee that's got a little spread. like sprinkle powder on the crust. Yeah, right? it does. Yeah, it says Artesian, <laughs> so you know it's good. Is it flour? What is, what even is that stuff? I, I don't even know. It's <laughs> like powder. It's it's probably cocaine. Um, that's why that's that's why that's why it's the only bread I ever buy. Um, <laughs> Next time we get it, I'm gonna go. Start the crust, see what happens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there could be some baby laxative in there too, but yeah, (laughs) more than likely. (laughs) Because that's what they used to cut Coke with, right? Baby laxative? I have no idea. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Actually, it's in in the Aerosmith book. (laughs) It's funny. I'm sitting here making cocaine jokes, and you're literally talking to one of the few rock guys you'll probably ever talk to who has literally never touched the stuff once in his life. (laughs) That's a good thing. Damn, you like yeah. you like Olivia and John. You've never done coke. Come on, what kind of rock guy coke. are you? I am. I am. Well, I'm still breathing, so we're just going to start there. I've never been anywhere in my entire life where I've even seen that. Oh yeah, that's. Fair. I'm sure you. I mean, listen, you're you're a musician, Brian. Have you ever been anywhere like and see, actually seen coke no. anywhere? Yeah. No. Yeah. No, I listen, man. I. I've certainly had all my opportunities. There's just something about it that just, uh, when I was younger, it just scared the shit out of me. Um, and I never did it. Uh, yeah. I think I, I think like I never control. did it. It's yeah, it scared the shit out of me when I was younger. And I had a, I had a friend who did do it and kind of warned me. He basically said, uh, the problem with it is don't ever start because it, it literally goes, I've never had anything in my life that I've done where he said it was one of the most addicting things he'd ever tried. And it's like the second you do it, you want to just start doing more. And, you know, I think the, the whole concept of that just kind of scared me. And I had places to go in my life, things that I wanted to accomplish. And the last thing I wanted to do is get myself wrapped up in something like that. That was going to impede that from happening, you know? So um, I just wanted to get it. When I was growing up, I just want to get the fuck out of the Midwest. Uh, yeah. You know, that's, that's not a reflection on a lot of the people, you know, that were there per se, but it, it was just my surroundings and just wanting to realize how big the world was and how little of it I had seen and uh, just not wanting to go down a rabbit hole and get into get into some shit that was going to keep me there longer than I needed to be or make it, make it so I never left. I just remember um the basketball player who got drafted by the celtics i'm blanking on his name because i was Len like oh god the one the one yep Len Len bias then bias Len yeah and like yeah i'm like i heard that story when i was younger i'm like nope yeah not doing it yeah that, that was terrifying yeah he was gonna be a celtic right yeah yeah like first round draft like you know kick-ass player and went to a party and tried it and and died i was like what Okay. Yeah. Well, I've never seen well, it to beginning with, but I, it always scarred me enough to be like, I would not even touch that shit. Yeah. And now, I mean, now it's so scary. It's getting cut with shit. I mean, there's, you know, the shit they're cutting with now. What's that stuff? That Fentanyl and all fentanyl. that. Yeah, it's getting yeah. cut with fentanyl. I mean, people are, I mean, kids are just dying, you know? Yeah. It's just killing it's another them. reason it's, not to touch anything that you don't have any control over how it yeah. got to you. Exactly. You know, it's just a lot of scary we're all stuff. worrying about cutting our caffeine, you know, not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like trying to strike a balance between drink less coffee, but still have enough energy to get on the Peloton. You know, it's, <laughs> these are, these are, these are middle-aged life challenges. I get these, 
um, packets and they're like B vitamins and a little caffeine. I mix them with my water in the afternoon, like at work, if I need a little pep in my step, or if I'm going to come home and work out, I'll do that. I like it. It's not like a full cup of coffee. And again, it's B vitamins too. So that works really well. Yeah. Okay. All right. Next time send you go me, to your little Kroger. Okay. Next time you go to your Kroger. I, I don't know if I have any in my work bag right now or not, because I carry it around with me, especially when I travel. I don't think yeah. I do. Terrible. Nope. I don't have any with me. Yeah. I'll, sh I'll shoot you a picture of what I got. I got, I think I can get it, get it to Kroger, which I know you guys have in Nashville. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I've got it. I've got a Kroger that can throw a rock and hit pretty much. So I'm good. Yeah, you let Brian, me know. you got Kroger in, in, in North Dakota? No. What's your grocery chain? Um, uh, we have, we have Cashwise, we have Hornbachers, we have, I forget the name of the other one. I don't know. Minneapolis has like Cub. Okay. Cub. Wow, that's Cub Foods is still around, huh? Yeah. All the ones in Ohio yeah. closed a long time ago. And you got, you got those strange supermarkets in North Dakota yeah, right? I've never heard of. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> They're probably like casinos. They have to be owned by Indian tribes to, to do the groceries. <laughs> <laughs> all right i have one last question i just blanked on i'm gonna think brian throw a question at tony something real fast why get my train of thoughts back uh, oh crap make i know i'm on the spot right like <laughs> you always I'm do the, the guy that round. does all these <laughs> uh what's your favorite guitar pedal Ooh. um well Fuzz or distortion? How about that? It's a distortion. I probably, you know, I mean, it's it sounds cliche to say because I think so many guys say it, but um, I have a a Klon Overdrive, um, mm -hmm. and that you know, it's kind of become like the the go to lead boost pedal for a lot of guys. Um, granted, the original Centaurs those are worth. You know, depending on which version of it you have, those are worth anywhere between twenty five hundred and six or seven thousand dollars now. Um, I've got a later version called the KTR, which is a little smaller, and it's you know, but it's basically the same thing as the Centaur, and uh, it's just a really great transparent overdrive, and it doesn't really seem to color the tone of my amp because I like the way my amp sound, but when I want to play a lead, you know, I want something to just slam the front end of it and bring more of that natural compression and overdrive out. Um, and that's that's probably the pedal I use more than any other one on my board. I mean, I've got some pedals on my board I love. Non-overdrive, there's a pedal I have called a DLS Rotosim, and it's a Leslie simulator. And I love that pedal, and I use it uh, I use it quite a bit in Brother Kane and in um, and a little bit here and there in Tom Kiefer, too. Just a really great Leslie Rotary emulator. It sounds really incredible. It's warm. A lot of guys like the Hughes and Kettner tube rotosphere for that sound. Um, and that's a great sound of pedal too, but it's a little noisy compared to this one. Um, and I've been using that for over a decade now. And I, it's, it's a pedal that I love so much that I own a backup of it just in case. Wow. Yeah. Brian's got getting in the, the pedals. Yeah. I'm thing now. Pedal junkie. Um, yeah. We had uh, Jeff Boland's guy in Kentucky that builds custom pedals and did a pedal for Greg Martin from the Kentucky Headhunters and then a, a fuzz pedal for Chris Robertson from Blackstone Cherry. And he sent me a 
the dose funds. That's Chris Robertson's fuzz pedal. All right, all right, cool. You know, I'm glad you reminded me of that. I've got a fuzz I need to try that I've had for a minute. I have not plugged in because I'm not. I don't use a lot of fuzz, but uh, Scotty Hill from Skid Row built a run of fuzz pedals by hand. He did them and he sent me one, and I need to check that out. Do people so, send you? Do you get? Do people send you a bunch of stuff to try out? No, nah, not. I mean, I get offered stuff here and there. I'll be honest with you. I'm I'm very hesitant to take stuff from somebody unless I know I'm going to use it. And okay. uh, I've been offered, you know, I've been offered uh, guitars and amps over the years and stuff like that. Um, and I, I just had a conversation with an amp company recently uh, who, you know, they're, they're local and, um, you know, I get along with them great. And they hit me up about possibly doing, you know, what I'd be interested in. And uh, coming on board with them and playing their amps. And, you know, I just done a jam that they had backlined and stuff like that. And it was really sweet of them to offer. And I could have said yes, and they would have given me an amp or two to take on tour and stuff like that. But I got to be honest with you, I just knew I wouldn't use them. Like, I, I found an amp. I found a couple amps that work really well for me. And I don't ever want to be that guy who's taking gear that somebody else spent time and money and effort to build. Uh, and they're, they're trying to give it to me to maybe take it on stage and put it in front of some other people and maybe help them get, get a leg up somewhere. And I don't, I want to be one of those guys. And there's a lot of them, unfortunately, that take all the stuff they can get for free just so they can sell it later and pocket the cash. Mm. It's just not, that's just not mm. cool. And um, I would, you know, I don't need, I don't need any more, I don't need any guitars. I don't need any amps. I don't need any pedals. I've got everything I need. Um, but on the rare occasion where there is something that I need, I may hit somebody up, you know, and maybe they can help me out. Maybe, they, maybe they can't, or maybe they can, you know, at least give me an artist accommodation or something like that. It's like, you know, a few years back, I made a new record with Kiefer and there was a baritone featured at the end of one of the songs. And I had to play that part live and it was the lead off single, the record. So, you know, I wanted to get a killer baritone. So I reached out to James Trussart and, you know, got a killer baritone from him. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't expect James to give me the guitar and he didn't, but you know, you know, he, he helped me out a little bit and I was happy to buy his guitar from him and I played on stage every night, you know? So, you know, I play a lot of Gibsons, but I'm not exclusive to Gibson. And I've got a couple other things like GMPs, like some old GMP Roxy's. And uh, um, I've got another James Trussart, Telecaster, Steelcaster. Um, it's a wonderful guitar that I play from time to time. And uh, I've got some Fenders and, you know, I've got a Gretsch and I've got, you know, just kind of all the tools in the toolbox that I need. But I, like I said, I, you know, after a while, stuff just becomes stuff that piles up. And I've already got pedals that I'm not using right now. And I don't even buy a ton of pedals, but I've just amassed them. And I've thought about it might be time to kind of start dumping through these and, you know, just sell some stuff that I'm not using anymore. All right. I have my last two. I had to go to my notes because usually I can memorize stuff. This time I had to go back to it. So we, we've asked people in the past, if you had to pick one celebrity, you know, you could beat in a fight. Who would it be? I've changed <laughs> this up now. I've changed this up. If you had to pick one celebrity to be your best friend for life, who would oh. it be? Oh,
thinking here. Yeah, it's a hard one. You know, it's <laughs> it, it would obviously be a musician. Um, well, not obviously, but for me, it'd be a musician. Um, my best friend for life. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, you know, I mean, listen, you're talking to a guy who had once had WWRZD on his guitar picks, which stood for what would Robin Sander do? Um, but, and I love Robin and, uh, God, I hope what a voice he's the voice of rock and roll man you know what this is this this sounds very cliche i think because it seems kind of obvious and, and on the nose but i would actually probably have to say dave Grohl. he just seems a super genuine b like he's probably just the funnest guy to be around and he's right. super uplifting and he's positive 24 7 at least when he's taking himself him. seriously does it see he doesn't take himself seriously at all D doesn't seem like a greedy human being in any way, shape, or form, as evidenced by the fact that, from what I understand, he literally shares everything equally with the rest of his band and Foo Fighters. And, and you know, last but not least, just seems like he's been through enough that if he ever needed really good, sound, solid advice, that dude would be the right guy to talk to. Not to mention his generosity. I mean, you know... I remember seeing that, and you guys probably saw this too, that video that popped out. Um, I feel like it was around the pandemic or maybe it was something after. I don't remember what it was, where he just unannounced showed up at the homeless shelter in LA with his big mm -hmm. barbecue rig and just started cooking for people, literally served food to the homeless, like from you know the morning on until he was completely out of food. You know, I mean, that's that's somebody who doesn't have to do that stuff at all. Yeah. And nobody would think less of him, you know, and he just, whatever, he just does it. He just does it because it's, it's a good thing to do and it's, it's a good way to live and it's a good example to set. And, uh, you know, I think I, I wish more artists, uh, were just that cool. They're just, you know, that nice to other people and that generous and that giving and the same know. guy he's probably always been his entire life. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, you, I've seen a couple of, you know, interviews and read a couple of things where he's like, he started his band and he's like, I don't need any more fucking money. I've got Nirvana money. Like, I'm good. <laughs> you know, so he's clearly in it for the right reasons. You right. Know? And and I think it shows. I think that's why he's had the career he's had. And I don't think he's I've ever heard anybody anywhere, maybe other than Courtney Love and she counts or not. I don't know. But say anything yeah. bad about him. Man, I, and that's that's another thing. You know, when you're. I, I've heard people, I've heard a couple of people say some shitty things about Dave Grohl, but generally it all stems around. Uh, I've actually heard people say, I don't like Dave Grohl. I'm like, why do you not like Dave Grohl? Because there's no way he's that nice. <laughs> what? It's an act. And, I, and I've heard that once or twice or a couple yeah. of times. I'm just like, what? really? Like that's, that's your MO. There's no way he's that nice. There's no way he's this. There's no way, blah, blah, blah. It's got to be an act. This and that and the other, you know? So and I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I, I, there's no, I, there's no way to really debate that, but whatever. I'm sure he has um, his bad days. Like we all have our bad days, but you know, our bad days. generally he's, he's a, a good dude. I had, there's a girl that I, I went to high school with that I got in an argument with. Like I got mad at her. And she, I hadn't seen her in years and she'd come out 
to a show or band I was in. I think it was maybe the pre-Kiefer and something about I and she'd started following me on social media and all that. She's cool. We're cool, you know, but I something there was some post about Dave Grohl that I shared. I don't know what it was. She commented and she made some shitty comment about how Dave um fuck that guy. He wouldn't be anybody if it wasn't for Kurt. And uh he piggybacked his success off of the death of off of Kurt's death. And I I literally was just like, what what was he supposed to do? Just be like, oh I, my I life is I now just, over too. <laughs> my life's over too. I just quit doing everything. I'm not allowed to try to move forward or push forward or do anything different or have any success or blah 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 because of this tragedy that happened over here. It's like fuck that. That's mm-hmm. out of con- that's that's ridiculous, you know. So you know, we were all sad when Kurt took his own life, but that doesn't mean that that anybody's life should have to stop. Anybody else's life should have to stop as a result. Kurt, you know, right. included that. Yeah, that, that was my earbud that just flew out of my ear, by the way. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> that, uh, that's my, a good answer. That's a very yeah. good answer, Brian. What do you think? Yeah, it's awesome. Great. All right. Perfect. Last question. This should be pretty. If you could be any age for the rest of your life, what would you choose? Um, can I, can I have all of the life? Can I have the life knowledge that I have now? Yeah, sure. Okay. If I could know then what I know now, I really would be just fine with 30. That's a good call. Brian, what do you think? Yeah, I I would say 30 to 35. Yeah. I mean, listen, I don't, I don't mind mind 49 you know mm-hmm. uh I feel, I feel i feel like i, feel I wish things hurt age. less or randomly didn't hurt yeah i i would i would really be good with not injuring myself in my sleep you know <laughs> i i'm pretty sure that started sometime around 40 and i'm not a fan of that at all i mean i literally yeah. woke up the other i woke up two days ago and my neck hurt like over here so bad that it almost made me nauseous for the entirety of the day. I was like, I don't even know what I did, but I can't turn my head to the right with shit right now. It's all just kind of laid weird. I, you you get it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I know. You know, but thirty, I I was in, you know, felt great, great point in my life. I hadn't had cancer yet. <laughs> um, my I didn't have any sciatica issues yet, so that's you know that's how you know you're getting old too. Oh, my sciatica! You just like Jesus. <laughs> there are certain stretches and things I have to do every day to make sure uh-huh. I can use my legs in the morning. Oh yeah, no, I totally understand. That's part of the reason I work out too. Is the more active I am, even just with cardio, it yeah. seems to keep all that stuff in check, and I don't have the issues with it. You know, you have a physical um, job. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's another thing, man. I just want to keep my cardio up so that when I walk up to a microphone and sing, I'm not, I'm not dying. You know, there's with Kiefer every night. Uh, if you know that catalog very well, there's a song on Long Cold Winter we do uh, called Falling Apart at the Seams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. And the pre-course of that song has a, a couple lines that I have to sing that have real long held notes. And when I do those, there's it's just back to back and I'm gasping for air. And if my cardio is on point, when I walk up to that microphone, I can do it and I'm solid. If my cardio is a little off and I walk up to that microphone and do it, there's been nights where I'm at the tail end of that second one and I start seeing stars. 
<laughs> just because I'm the notes long and I'm already huffing and puffing and everything else. I'm just trying to catch my breath and it it gets me. So yeah. That's a good answer. I like I like all of your both of your answers, I think, on the age thing. I think that's that's the right call. Yeah. That's the right call. Take that. And you're all you're a kick-ass musician all over the stage with Brother Kane. I've seen you with Kiefer. Hopefully we're gonna see some dates come out more. On some of that stuff, probably. But is, is Kiefer next? I guess what's next for you and, and your show? Your and Kiefer. you're doing musically, Kiefer. Kiefer, um, we just did a week going through Florida. Yep. Did a few shows down there. Once you got um, out of Tennessee, being snowed in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, stuck Jesus. on the side of Mont Eagle trying to get out. Um, but yeah, we got down there. We were gone the correct week to be gone. Um, so yeah, I did a week with Kiefer. Go back out, starting the top of. Very end of March, beginning of April, going out west, doing about two, two and a half weeks with the shows. LA Guns. With LA Guns, right? Or, yeah, they're, they're gonna be LA they're gonna be they're gonna be in tow with us for a good bit of those shows. And then we'll come home and we'll be home until I'm hearing I haven't seen the exact grid yet, but I'm hearing we're gonna be getting busy again July, August, uh, right. doing some stuff. Um, festivals theaters casinos hitting some stuff that we didn't hit the last couple of years and kind of just trying to shoot the gaps not overplay but yeah july august is probably going to be the sweet spot and that's going to be when there'll be a good chance i might get up around you so okay. uh you know definitely keep you posted there i haven't seen yep. anything in the i haven't seen a cup of coffee's on me man or pot of coffee with your choice <laughs> oh, yeah. well, you know what we're gonna do gonna, we're gonna go to rallies <laughs> oh all right all right rallies let's do it do rallies and do some record shopping too. I'm not scared. I'm, I'm down for that, man. We can hit like a Amoeba Records or something. Yeah, I'm down. So yeah, we're doing that. Uh, or I'll I'll be out doing some stuff with Tom, and then to you know, I'm gathering from what I'm gathering, probably some Brother Kane stuff coming up in the fall. So you know, oh good, man. You yeah. guys sounded so good on that Brother Kane show. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much, man. That was you know, we were just kind of getting warmed up, and that was a that was a lot of shows. I think we did 17 shows in 19 days. Well, I saw you, you said it was like your seventh or eighth day in a row or something. Yeah. It was something crazy like that. Yeah. We, we, we were going running, you know, a little ragged. Yeah. Yeah. We got through though. It was good. But, uh, you know, Damon did a lot to maintain his voice and, you know, took extra precautions. And I made sure to drag him off the bus every day and make him go get breakfast. So yeah. I felt like I had to drag him the first couple of days. And then, and then uh, I get up and head to the front lounge and Damon be up there going, yo, bro, where are we going to get breakfast? I mean, like, I mean, like, let's go. I'm like, pull up the phone. I'm like, like, there's a first watch a half mile away. Let's go. Boom. You know? So, yeah. Yeah. First exactly. watch is great. Love it. It really is. So, all right. Where do we send our listeners to go and keep up with all things Tony Higby? Uh, just Tony Higby on Instagram at Tony Higby. That's probably the easiest spot. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I could be better about posting. Uh, if I, I feel like I do a better job of posting when I'm on the road and I have a little mm-hmm. more time in between mm-hmm. sound check and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but man, I'll always keep people apprised of what's going on on there in advance. So, when I see dates drop, you know, I'll post them and, uh, you know, well, uh, I, I just kind of keep it going from there. Yeah. Instagram, Facebook, you know, is linked to that. So you'll see it there too. And, uh, Twitter X I'm on there every once in a while, but not very often, uh, just here and there. Um, I think, I, I think, I, 
<laughs> a little bit. I think I, I think I follow a select few people on there, and I go on there to kind of see what they're doing. Yeah. Um, but that's about it, you know. So real exciting. I haven't I haven't graduated to oddly freed status yet, where I'm on no social media whatsoever. <laughs> And and I have a endless supply of gigs put in front of me at all times. And I'm I'm very, very jealous of him in that regard. That dude, he has figured it out. And one day, Tony, with your help, he will grace Brian and my presence on the podcast. You know what? I will fire a text off to him in the next <laughs> day or two and just low-key be like, yo, bro, did you ever do that podcast? I was just back on it. And I just wanted to say those guys are really good. So oh, no, no, no. we have our 200th I, show coming up and we would love to have Ollie or even that would be awesome. Man, it might be, it might be easier for me to get Ollie for you than Tom. That's what I figured is the answer. No, no, no. Tom is a, listen, man, Tom's a wonderful guy. Uh, I saw him today. Um, yeah. But he is, he's, he's low key. And uh, he's yep. one of those dudes that if you, you know, he, he's kind of quiet until he gets to know you. And then once he gets to know you, he's just super warm and charming and funny and sweet. And the dude can literally quote every line from Caddyshack from beginning to end. Nice. Um, yeah. He's just, you know, um, Jared and I will get ready to go golfing, you know, or we'll come back from golfing and he'll have woken up and be in the front lounge of the bus with his cup of coffee. He'll just look up at me and go, Spalding like that. And I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> just, like, I want a hot saying? dog. I want a hamburger. I want a. You'll get nothing and like it. <laughs> That's one of my favorite lines ever. And then when they're betting on whether or not he picks his nose and eats it, when they're watching him <laughs> from the bushes. That movie is one of the best of all time. All time. Yeah. And um, it's a good one. All right. Tony, thank you for coming on and having a marathon session. It's like we look up and it's two hours later every time we talk to you. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, we'll do it again. And uh, I'll look forward to it. Okay, guys. Yep. Brian? Thank you so much to Tony Higby. Thanks for coming on, man. We always appreciate it. Always have a great conversation with you. And if I'm motivated enough tomorrow, I might go to his, through a specific drive through and get a shake from the divine and hopefully not end up in a cult. <laughs> good luck with that good luck with that <laughs> thank you to tony higby for um leading us on a unique and hilarious journey of various topics those of which there's so many i can't really pinpoint anything you know <laughs> listen if you didn't like one conversation on that episode there is another one that came along i'm sure you enjoyed he is just a Delight rolls with the punches, and I could imagine. Can you imagine spending a whole day with him somewhere, just going Holy to lunch, shit. going record shop, and just how many times you would laugh? Yeah, your stomach would hurt, totally hurt. And he does a great oddly freed impression, by the way. He does. He nails <laughs> he really it. Does. He nails it. He, he could like. We should like. We'll just have. You know what? Let's just have Tony. We won't just won't tell anybody, but he'll. Yeah, we'll, we'll, just we'll have, have oddly freed on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and i did like that the continuation of the story from the first time he was on about <laughs> seeing oddly jog and oddly hearing that and like i thought that was great <laughs> and he yeah and it, it just oddly he's got to be a super mellow guy like say it like that yeah <laughs>
I, you know what? Um, I listened to the first Cry of Love album this week in honor of Valentine's Day. Cry of Love, Valentine's Day. God, that's such a great album. And Ollie just, you hear his playing and you understand why the Crows picked him to play. It's just perfect. And I, yeah, and I remember like, when I find out, found out he was in the band, it was like, and I, I remember I was listening. I used to, I was doing some tape training then cassettes actually shows. Mm -hmm. And I heard it on the introduction of the band at whatever show it was, you know, it's like, holy crap. And it totally made sense to me. Cause that wreck that, yeah, yeah. Cry love brother is just like, Oh, so good. every, epic. every track on that album. It's good. epic. It's really good. Yep. So, um, yeah, he's got a good oddly freed imitation. Um, we laughed about dates coming out with Kiefer band. Yeah. So pay attention to all throughout the year. Might sounds like we might even see a little bit more brother Kane, uh, later on in the year, Brian. Yeah. So if you get a chance to talk to Tony Higby, please do so. He's taller than you think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stay tall. Oh no, that's not our catchphrase that's our friends it's our brothers yeah. in the state of america our catchphrase is always remember southern rock is reverent loses blood we'll see you next time
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.